coming to you with one foot out of our quarantine bunkers from deep in the flyover states. We reviewed WWF WrestleMania 13. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast. And welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 266. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people, we return with a WrestleMania review. We go back to 1997 for quite a tumultuous time in the build-up to this week's show. It's WrestleMania 13. We got our man Sid in the main event with the dead man. Um, wasn't there, the original plan. There are some highs to this show, and there are some there are some lows to this show. But overall, some, the the some highs very lows. But the highs are incredibly high, and so it is it is a lot of fun to talk about, and I'm excited to break it down. Right, because well, this is a wrestling review show. Each week, DP DP and I get together and discuss the event we agreed to watch the week before. It's the Oprah's Book Club for wrestling nerds. For any and all information about the show. Uh, links to Twitter, Facebook, and the rest. Visit GoldenAgePodcast.com. Uh, and don't email us. So but just please feel free to reach out to us on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, the DMs and, uh, are open. Yeah, the DMs are open. The Facebook messages are open. We take requests. We take criticism. We take praise. Yeah, if you want to do that, that's great, too. That's always nice um, as well. And, yeah, and if you if you really like the show and you want to share it to some friends, you can always do that as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, but absolutely excited to talk about this. 1997, it's a fun and wacky year for in both companies, WWF mm-hmm. and WCW. Um, but clearly tonight we will be discussing things on the WWF side. Yes, absolutely. So before we can dive back to the world that was 1997, let's get a taste of the last miles of this year's road to WrestleMania in the city. Vicious. Vicious. I gotta get my thing back up. I should have just kept doing the Linda McMahon music. <laughs> I couldn't figure out where I knew that from. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, with that board, with this look on my face, it was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. And I have half the brain that you do. All the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit. Let me do this again. No, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, we're live. What do we got this week? Um, well, first of all, I don't know if you saw Matt Riddle literally had a Sid Vicious for live moment with Asuka where he just like <laughs> yeah. stopped talking and walked away. Um, yeah, but on the WrestleMania side of things, uh, the big overwhelming storyline on Monday night um, was the almighty WWE champion, Bobby Lashley, mm-hmm. and uh, Drew McIntyre, and this odd dance we've been dancing with who do I like and who am I supposed to care about <laughs> when it comes to these two men? Um, Cause it kind of just sways both ways uh, throughout the show. 
Uh, Drew is asked about Lashley putting a hit out on him. So already, you know, kind of in the negative column there for Lashley. Yeah. As, as personality goes. Um, to keep him off mania. <laughs> this would lead to some fun stuff from Drew later. Um, the Almighty came out along with the Hurt Business. And uh, we'll, we can discuss this here because this is obviously a bit of controversy. Yeah. As this is the end of the Hurt Business. We'll get there in just a moment. But, yeah, Bobby uh, tells us what we already know. You know, um, if Drew is taken out, then that person would get a title shot at Mania. Uh, we see last week when Cedric and Shelton lost the handicap match, and they were looking at their shoes when we come back to their shot. Obviously, uh, kind of embarrassed. Bobby explains the situation to us like for five. I was just like, "Did I do Bobby any favors with these promos, man?" It was just very <laughs> stilted and matter of fact, and just stating like everything in great detail that happened on TV last week. Um, Yep. Bobby can't count on them and he refuses to associate with incompetence. So we've also nullified the significance of that handicap match from the previous week because now who cares if Cedric and Shelton are banned from ringside? Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's it. He's going to have matches with them um, later on. Not popular from just about every angle <laughs> I've seen, including from reports online, Lashley and MVP having a meeting with Vince expressing oh. their. Just, you know, kind of like displeasure with things and it kind of apparently falling on deaf ears because, you know, it happened. It's 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 one of those things where it just seems like everyone was like you were saying there was there was confusion on who we were supposed to root for because of how good these guys had been together and how like good. Well, this was getting over and how much they Mm -hmm. were, you know, doing great things all the time. And then immediately they're just like, it's done right before right before WrestleMania. We're just going to nope. Let's not have all four of these guys be like a great big entrance for Bobby Lashley. Let's take two of them away. Yeah, now I'm glad the MVP is still a part of the package because yeah. that would have been a huge mistake. It would have been the end of Bobby Lashley. Like he, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be mean, but that character doesn't stand this, a chance without MVP. Is this Vince kneecapping the character so that way they can make sure Drew's the baby face? <laughs> but, but does it? Because now you've like kind of taken that thing away that almost established Bobby as the bad guy was that he had, you know, this faction of guys around yeah. him, you know, interfering and stuff, which again is fine. If you're trying to do a blur the lines, no, but you know, they're both, they're both good. They're both bad. Mm-hmm. Whatever you pick, let's let the fans decide kind of a situation. Like, I don't hate that. I don't know if I want to give them that much credit that that's what they're going for here, but I do think that they've, you know, both guys have towed the line in a way that yeah. will leave fans to maybe kind of make that decision themselves. I don't know. That's, um, Honestly, the I still, don't, I still don't like them not giving the hurt business. You could have done this the night after Mania, you know. Yeah. But give these guys who had an absolute amazing 2020 mm-hmm. when no one probably thought that it would amount to much of anything, you know. Yeah. I just you know give them one wrestle like give them the WrestleMania thing to kind of celebrate what a great year they all had. No, you're right. That that, that seems like it would have made perfect sense. It's just it's a shame that like. The biggest thing drawing me to this match is just to see how the crowd reacts. Like that's the only like my biggest interest in watching this well, WWE Championship cause, match. Because Drew McIntyre is so interesting from that standpoint because we don't know. Yeah, it, it he won the Rumble <laughs> and people were pretty excited about it, yeah. and then that was it. Like he was the pandemic champion, man. Like, yep. and then it was just this this Thunderdome is really cool. <laughs> talking to himself for eight months yeah like, i mean it's it, it's it's quite a story to tell someday about drew mcintyre uh, yeah it, it'll be wild to see um and then just one of you know a couple quick things on the raw side 
Um, well, I love what, Drew antagonizing the locker room. Real quick, I just yeah. I feel like you could have done like since they're doing two nights, do WrestleMania for Raw, WrestleMania for SmackDown. Just split them like by brand if you wanted to do that. They're probably afraid to see like if one show would have much more like interest yeah. than another. So I feel yeah. like SmackDown would. I would probably skip. The oh Raw yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, when we go, if you just broke down the matches that are coming from the SmackDown side of things, yeah, that's that's the show I'd watch for sure because that's got Rollins and Cesaro, that's got Owens and Zayn, you know, Sasha so. Bianca, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Anyways, um, Drew antagonized the locker room later. I just loved this entire segment. Just basically, he's walking around mad because no one will beat him up. Like he's just, come on, who wants to take the chance? Who wants to fight me? And like everyone's just kind of like, I'm good, man. Like I. I don't want to, you know, he's like grabbing Humberto and throwing him around and roughing up Drew Gulak. And uh, yeah. finally, like, Ricochet is like, I'll fight you. And so he's like, okay. And then <laughs> now he, I'll leave now. Um, and so and that happened later. And uh, Drew beat Ricochet. Ali attacked him. Drew beat Ali. Lashley <laughs> then came out. And McIntyre said that he was scared of him. MVP was on commentary for all this and was very upset that Lashley took the bait. Um, they brawled until. Oh my God! It's King Corbin from SmackDown. What to attack? To attack Drew McIntyre? <laughs> and uh, yeah, Todd even says, "I guess word traveled to the SmackDown locker room." I was oh like, "Yeah, why?" Goodness. I mean, I guess the the like hit has kind of been out since last week, so it's a little oh, bit explained. Okay, yeah, MVP was also very quick on social media to post that King Corbin is not a part of the Hurt business. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny that they were like already ashamed of him. Oh. So, um, then uh, two quick things from the raw side before we jump over there. Um, yeah. They Miz and Morrison debuted their music video for Hey Hey Pop Pop. Listen, I know some people out there just think that this stuff is like death. <laughs> I love this shit so much. It's <laughs> it's so dumb and wonderfully oh. obnoxious. Okay. And listen, there's not really much else that's going to make me interested in watching Miz fight a pop star. You know. Yeah. So it's go all wild, just go as obnoxious and over the top as you possibly can, and you know, just kind of. I keep forgetting ins- that he's having a match with Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's not like it's some like fucking blood feud, like super important thing here. Yeah. Um. So I thought it was funny, and you know, I thought Damian Priest did a good job with kind of afterwards with him and Bad Bunny coming out. Um, we had a contract signing with uh, Rhea and Oscar, and hey, hey. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to get one more senseless team them together to fight Shayna and Nia out yeah. of the women's division. We got uh, we did it on SmackDown. We're going to get one in just under the gun on the Raw side of things. So <laughs> I blew my Yay. mind when I heard that. I was like, "What? Why are we doing this? Just you you could have done you didn't have to do anything. You just could have just continued on to WrestleMania and just not had <laughs> them interact this week." I know. So I'm excited though for Rhea and Asuka. The match itself will be good. And then the highlights quickly over on the SmackDown side of things. Obviously, the well, triple threat, Matt. I'm sorry. Where are you on your? Well, maybe this is SmackDown. I don't know my my oh. universes. Is is Braun okay. Strowman SmackDown or Raw? Listen, I'm trying to spare the people of having to listen to some of the things I, and the happenings. Yes, I, that's the Raw. That's that on Raw. Raw. That, I was just curious where you're you're at on on excitement for that program going towards WrestleMania. Um, we know it's I'm not a, a big steel cage. I, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, train sounds accompanying wrestlers when they wrestle. Yeah. Um, this is just one of those, I don't know, like I'm sure Shane honestly does probably like likes Braun or sees <laughs> star potential yeah. in Braun and thinks he can kind of maybe work something out. 
the build for it. it's just been so awful. And the problem too is it's like when Shane's attacking Braun for being stupid. If you notice, Braun doesn't really ever defend himself against any of those claims or do anything to like really act in a way that die away alive. from those claims. He's just mad that Shane's basically you know it's very it's Looney Tunes honestly. It yeah. feels like a stinking Looney Tunes cartoon with these guys, and so whatever. It's a cage match. I'm sure Shane will do something stupid and hurt himself, and you know probably not wrestle again until next year's WrestleMania. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and then you add in Jackson Riker and Elias, and my interest just yeah. fades even more. For sure. So. Yeah, no, again, I'm Shane. I'm sure. I'm again, again. I'm sure Shane. Two guys that he. See something in and wants to try to help pull up, which yeah. you can kind of appreciate that, but I just don't want to see any of it. So <laughs> I don't need um, you writers. This is how you get a program over. Shane, Shane McMahon's how you get someone over. <laughs> um, so the triple threat for the universal title is the dominating, you know, it's kind of is the, you know, on the second side of things. Edge continues to come out and just bury himself deeper, in my opinion, when he explains himself in any of this. Like, oh. You I don't know. He didn't he, enjoy he, his promo announcing he is now a heel. Well, and they've also just both of them have ignored Roman Reigns. It's yeah. like the champion is the afterthought in this feud in the last two or three weeks, you know, which maybe he's going to play in his favor because these two are going to be trying to claw mm-hmm. each other's eyes out. I don't know. Um, I just, it, it just with, here's the problem with edges care. Like it was Adam Copeland edge was what we had at the beginning of all this. And, like, he's so happy to be back, and he's very transparent about, yeah. you know, breaking the fourth wall, basically, with the character. And then, at some point, he went into, like, rated our Superstar Edge mm-hmm. and is jealous about this person who was, like, his good friend three weeks ago, Daniel Bryan, getting, a ch- you know, b- getting to be in this match. Yeah. And, you know, again, and Daniel Bryan hasn't done anything, ne- you know, like, nefarious or... Mm-hmm. to hurt Edge's chance in the match or his spot in the match at WrestleMania, he's been screwed over by Roman Reigns, you know? And, like, yeah. it's just... I, and, I mean, honestly, they've kind of put Edge in a tough spot. Like, it's, I don't even know if it's his fault. It's just... No, but... Know, I, I, I want to cheer for you, Edge. Stop saying mean things about Daniel Bryan. Like Of of the <laughs> matches that are on the show, I think this one's the one that has my, like, attention the most. Like, this is the one that I'm most excited about. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, I'm definitely looking forward to a big-time off match. And yeah, kind of a toss-up, really. Like, I kind of feel like Roman. Like, I would lean Roman, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, like, a popular opinion. But for some reason, I just feel like Edge well, and Daniel Bryan are going to cancel each other out. I, I I might have leaned against Roman if it was a one-on-one match. But now that it's these other right. two, now that the storyline has taken this turn, it doesn't really make a lot of sense for either of them to overcome the other to get to the title. But Right. Absolutely. So a lot of, a lot of scenarios, a lot of paths I could take there. So I'm excited about that. Um, Rollins and Cesaro. I think is maybe the sleeper match of the weekend as far as, you know, like, you know, could be a, the best match of either night of WrestleMania. Rollins, Cesaro and Owens and Zayn are my two, yeah. like honest, most like wanting to see matches. <laughs> Absolutely. And just, I, I don't want to go all into it, but the Sami Zayn premiere of his documentary trailer, even though it involved Logan Paul and I know a lot of people don't <laughs> like him, but the segment itself was funny stuff. And Sammy was absolutely outstanding during it. Oh, yeah, no, he killed it. Like I watched as many clips as I could find of Sami Zayn on YouTube after after this week's show because the, not, the, the yeah the, the dancing gif is just a gift is one of the greatest things that's happened in a long time. It is great. 
It's just annoying that we have to make it cut around all the stupid cuts that were being done by the SmackDown crew that were producing it because in order to make it a gift, because it's like you could have just had one solid video of him for 25 <laughs> seconds of just dancing, but they kept cutting yeah. the reactions or whatever the fuck they were doing. And so they couldn't like just show a one solid clip of it, but exactly, it's still very fun. And that, that's honestly what even drew me to looking up videos of SmackDown was Sami Zayn tweeting. Did you see his brilliant? I just thought it was great. Cause he was just like, his tweet was, I see a lot of you are making these videos, Please pay more attention to my documentary. But it's next to a video of like music playing to him dancing. Oh, it's yeah. great. No, it's outstanding. Um, Apollo Crews has challenged Big E to a Nigerian drum match. I was way more excited for this until it was announced as a Nigerian drum match I, because now I, it seems like that's just like a street fight. And I don't I, I, care. I don't much. know what to make of it. The promos, I'm sorry, are getting just... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're kind of all lying to ourselves a little bit here. If we're going to act like this is not a little bit terrible. <laughs> I mean, I don't just go I've back and watch I've not seen it. them. I've not seen I, these promos. I, as a, as a uh, I'm, I'm trying to be positive, but damn it, man. Um, yeah. And then obviously Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair is, you know, a kind of the, the people's main event is what I've seen a lot of people kind of mention about on night one, you know, even though it's probably not going on last, but honestly it's one of those things where it's like if if you would have said on the night that bianca won the royal rumble this is going to main event wrestlemania i'd be like yeah sure right now that i've watched how they've built it since then i don't want it to be the wrestlemania no i mean it's you know it's been okay but you know they did the lame tag team thing which i know they fall into that trap often and it pulled me so out of like caring about this match as much right and the and the personal animosity is a little light. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there has been tension there. They've had blowups at one another, but there, it still just doesn't feel like this long building. You can't, you can't play you... my way to these two doing highlights, <laughs> making a video. Right. And that's not Bianca's fault. I mean, she just won the rumble three months ago and that's yeah. basically when their his, that's basically when this started between the two of them. So it is what it is. And it's, I think it'll still be a great match though. No, it's going to be a really good match. I'm excited to, to... There's a lot of matches on WrestleMania I'm excited to see. I'm just interested to see how they split it up because the first night I'll be you know watching with a lot of fun friends. It's going to be a lot of fun. The second night I'm going to be probably driving for the first half of it. Ah. <laughs> I'm just now getting home, but we'll right. see. And you'll have to wait till it's over to watch it because Peacock doesn't have a pause or rewind option. Yes. Exactly. But we'll keep things positive here. I'm <laughs> sure it'll be great. I have many complaints about Peacock and having to stitch audio because of the way that it doesn't like you jumping around the file, but I'll, I'll spare all of you. Um, yes. So, yeah, so that's so a lurk. At a look, a lurk. That's a look at this world of, of wrestling as we head towards WrestleMania. But now it's time to go back to the world of 1997. So let's head on back with the four things. Four The Four Things Time Capsule. The Four Things Are. Number one. On March 1st, Tony, the Puerto Rican boxer Hector Camacho stopped Sugar Ray Leonard in the fifth round in Atlantic City, New Jersey, to retain the IBC middleweight title. The only time Leonard was KO'd and sent him into permanent retirement. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of the sad things about boxers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's hard to to step away when you should, you know what I mean? Because especially yeah. when you get to a point where people want you for your celebrity, 
value. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they're willing to pay. I mean, look at, I know they're doing these exhibitions, but like Mike Tyson and the, the you know, the, the things that he's been doing. Now they're trying to do him in Holyfield, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's okay in like an exhibitions, but, but these, you know, all time legends, they all kind of did that to themselves, unfortunately. You know, they fought. And- a few years longer than they should, and they got embarrassed a lot of the times. And that even happened to a lot of like the early UFC celebrities that we had. Mm-hmm. Like, who was yep. the Iceman? What was his actual name? I cannot. Liddell, think- Chuck Liddell. Yes. Chuck Liddell is like the perfect example in my mind. Like, he just fought yeah. way too long, and and then like by eventually he started getting movie roles. But yeah, right. Yeah, some of those guys they go out there and they just like lose their last two or three fights. And it's like, well, at least they got paid a few more times. <laughs> True. March fourth, number two. Uh, U.S. President Bill Clinton issued a directive banning oh. the use of federal funds in research or study into human cloning. Oh, was, man. Is this around, uh, this around the time of the old sheep cloning? Everyone was losing their yes, mind about, probably. Yeah. The, the, the animals were cloned and immediately the world was like, we have to stop them before they start making copies of people. I, I have to say, one of the most underrated comedies of all time, and it played off of this craze around that, you know, that time is, Michael Keaton and Multiplicity. Yeah. It is a hidden gem of a comedy, and it kind of, you know it kind of ties into this craze around that time. You're right. I didn't think about how that was part of you know kind of informing that whole movie, but you're right. Number three, taking a look at the movies that we're releasing in the lead up to tonight's event, we start off on February 26th of 1997 when the comedy classic uh, by the Wayans Brothers, I believe, was released, Booty Call, making twenty million dollars. Yes, yeah, a, a film that you know a, a, a young teenage uh, Tony, you know, had you know wasn't necessarily probably allowed to rent from the video store. But yes, uh, the poster was not going to let my mom ever let me rent that movie. <laughs> Thank God for Showtime, though. Uh, also releasing that same weekend, Donnie Brasco making sixty-five million dollars. I like that one a lot. I think it kind of gets forgotten a little bit when people kind of talk about the crime dramas and you know the mob mm-hmm. kind of movies. That's a good one with Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. March 7th was the Disney release of Jungle to Jungle, making $59 million, a movie that child DP was a big fan of. <laughs> I watched this movie oh. a lot as a kid. Oh, man. Absolutely. Yeah, those were that those live action Disney movies. You know, the family comedies were you know, mm-hmm. a favorite of mine. Oh, yeah. And Santa Claus uh, also releasing that same weekend. Howard Stern's Private Parts. It made $41 million. Yeah. And honestly, like. For different reasons, people like at different ages, you know, <laughs> came to really enjoy that movie. Um, but it is also just one of the better, like, rock docs. I mean, I know he's not like a rock musician, oh, yeah. but like, just a really good biopic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's his, it's his side of everything, but yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, well, but it's also just the, like, kind of rise mm. to, you know what I mean? Before, <laughs> before, yeah, maybe you would have to address a little bit more of the controversy. March 14th. Saw the release of Love Jones making $12 million and seemingly nothing else released that weekend, uh, mm. according to the, the numbers. Um, March 21st was Liar Liar, which made $302 million, and it took on Selena, which made $35 million. I'm kicking my ass. You mind? I fucking love it. Dude, Liar Liar is... Liar Liar is good stuff. It's And they're excited about... Where is he excited about going at the beginning of that movie before his dad disappoints him one of many times? They were going to go to their wrestling show, and he wanted to oh, see yeah. the Macho Man Randy <laughs> Savage. That's true. Uh, man, now that that's a fun one, and that is one that um, my high school best friend was obsessed with, 
And so a lot of overnight like hangouts ended up watching Liar Liar over and over again. Uh, number four, taking a look at the world of popular music, the week of tonight's show saw the Billboard Hot 100 charts being topped by Puff Daddy and Mace with their song, Can't Nobody Hold Me Down. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> the song, I hadn't heard it in a long time. This song steals like everything in, uh, that is part of it. Um, and it just it amazes me that Puff Daddy is as popular as he is. But take a listen. Don't push us because we're close to the edge. We're trying not to lose our heads. You can feel us from time to make me wonder why you want to take us under. Why you want to take us under. this guy went to I mean, hawaii tony i mean it's like yeah there's a reason why that song is catchy it's because it features samples of other really good songs that yes. they just like yep i mean there's it's a catchy song but it's like it's just so many sounds and other things and him <laughs> with his uninteresting, you know, rapping. Well, well that's the other thing to me is like Notorious B.I.G. is a very captivating character and a, a, a personality. Puff right. Daddy is a nerdy dad with diamonds. I never have understood <laughs> why people consider him to be like cool or the embodiment of cool. He I never just, has read cool to me. Well, I think promo- I think just that's a, you know, a sign of the power of his like promotion. You know, yeah. like that. He's just he's a master of the marketing and all of that stuff. So, but yeah, so that that was the number one song for that time. You know, Notorious B.I.G. had just like passed away or, or is about to at this point um, mm-hmm. in a few weeks, if not. Uh, but yeah, so this brings us to March twenty third of nineteen ninety seven, when eighteen thousand one hundred and ninety seven people packed out the Rosemont Horizon in Rosemont, Illinois, or as Vince will call it, suburban Chicago, for WrestleMania thirteen. Yeah, I just, I don't know why they just, just say you're in Chicago. You know what I mean? Like we just lie. <laughs> a lot of these, a lot of these stadiums and arenas are in, you know, small towns outside of the Chicago, outside of the cities. We're in friendship, Missouri. Um, yeah, the event would sell 237,000 pay-per-view buys and would have the tagline heat exclamation point. That doesn't tell me a lot. It leaves a lot to the imagination. Maybe no, that's a good thing. But if you go to find this show on the Peacock Network, it, it is listed as, I believe, WWE, you know, WrestleMania 13 dash heat is the name of it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that'll make it easy to search for. Um, I thought the intro video was really good. You know, kind oh, of yeah. the poetic, you know, voiceover guy explaining the big matches of the night and the you know the the intensity of the feuds and all that the thing that always makes me laugh is how they always these videos because it's very much the whole like but we're attitude now and now we're violent and now we're mean but they i feel like this is the video for the next 20 years it always starts with this memories of a sportsman-like day when there used to be a wrestling that had honor and it's like there was never that but okay but yeah this (laughs) The wording here is fantastic. A magical night where dreams become reality, where legends stand immortal, 
where incredible feats of athleticism are indelibly etched in the annals of time. But this year, a tempest engulfs utopia. This year, clouds of hatred and anger have eclipsed the heavens, shed darkness upon the gods. We've watched as our heroes step down from their pedestals, witnessed malicious attacks by a depraved nation, beheld the dark, disturbing flashes from a once benevolent force. <laughs> the, the once benevolent force of a satanic undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> Like I mean, it, it can. It's kind of corny and maybe a little like over the top, but I love that shit. Oh, like I, I love those kinds of videos, dude. It was one of those things where I was making fun of it in my notes, and eventually in my notes it just turns into this is really a fantastic opening. It's over the top, <laughs> right. but I, I, I'm loving this. Because I'll be honest with you, like you know, a lot of problems leading up to this show. So to be able to produce a video that kind of makes <laughs> the feuds and storylines look this compelling is impressive. Yeah, I, uh, two a lot angry, of this shit got thrown together the last two weeks. Yeah, two angry young men will face off in a submission match. Was one of those lines in the middle there. Um, but I also just have to laugh at the contrast between the end of the announcer being like, you know, this is going to be the night of of our lives, and yeah, then the all showcase of, sudden, of the immortals. Which you called the Linda McMahon music earlier, and. It's. It, I didn't realize that that's where I knew it from, but it was just like <laughs> this music does not give me the 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 sense of like an epic night of violence and battle. <laughs> no, and I think, God, it, I think it was gone by fourteen. I think they did it. I okay. think this might have been the last time they used it. Well, but. I was curious if like next year's when we start getting like the Limp Biscuit music and and various like promoted well, yeah. songs that are attached. Well, cause yeah, because next year is your like the Chris Robinson band is there live doing the DX theme, okay. and they did that like the embarrassing version of the Star Spangled Banner that's like been like scrubbed for, from existence for a show that started out as rock and roll and wrestling, you know, WrestleMania one, and it's like they just <laughs> discarded the rock and roll thing for the entirety of the '90s until the Attitude Era finally kicked up. Yeah, but you could tell they were really proud of their house on this night because Vince begins oh, yeah. screaming about the night and the show. And we just scanned the fans for what felt like five <laughs> minutes. Vince is just talking, and he's not like talking to who's with us, really. He's just Rosemont Horizon and Rosemont Illinois, like they, just yeah. They were also really proud tonight, and it must maybe it was like a first time, or it was a bit, man talking about the countries that could watch and that they were yep. broadcasting and around. And I always kind of look at that stuff, especially around this time during the Monday Night Wars. Of those are. That's your WCW jabs. Yeah. Those are your, we're available in 119 countries and we're being watched by people all over the world. Because, yeah. you know, Nitro, WCW, I'm not saying, I, you know, I'm not sure what their availability was worldwide, but I would imagine that's probably one thing that WWF did probably always have yeah. maybe an advantage with. Probably. You're probably not wrong there. I mean, it just, it, that, that kind of reflects the whole thing that Tony Schiavone always talks about, just the, you know, coming back and realizing like, oh, they don't have edit bays and we don't have these other things that are just like basic statements, you know, stables of of a production company. Uh, Toilet paper was running out all the time. It was terrible. (laughs) But yeah, so Vince brags about being broadcast in English, French and Spanish and like introduces the announced teams in a way that the like production crew thought we were going to turn them up and let them hear him. But no, instead we just hear Vince talking over top of the entire Spanish guys while we're then introducing the French guys. Yeah. Like the Rougeau's just wave like from their desk. Like that's about all they get. Yeah. It was kind of, it was just, yeah, the beginning was awkward. 
to say. I mean, it wasn't yeah. bad, but it just felt like a bit of a mess. Well, we go to match number one, and very early I'm like, oof, this roster, I don't know what we're getting into here. Uh, yeah. We have, for WrestleMania opening match, the Godwins, Henry O. Godwin, Phineas I. Godwin with Hillbilly Jim taking on the Headbangers, Mosh and Thrash? Er. Thrasher. Uh, yeah. Versus the new Blackjacks, Brad Shaw and that other guy. And then Mary Wyndham, for God's sake. <laughs> and then some guys that I'm almost certain they just skipped the entrance of, or I blacked out for their entrance. <laughs> Fucking LaFon and Furnace are on this match. Yeah, yeah Doug Furnace and Philip LaFon. Um, <laughs> I think they did just miss most of their entrance. Like, man, these two guys were just one of the first, like an early example of like internet hype, magazines oh, hype. Because okay. these, they were in all Japan, you know, they were just destroying the world, tearing down, you know, having great matches. Nice. Um, Doug, Doug Furnace has been in and around wrestling for a long time before this. And then they came to the, to the WWF and it was just didn't Nothing. work. <laughs> Cause like their, their style didn't really work. And then when you add in the fact that, Oh, they don't really have great personalities or charisma mm-hmm. outside of their entering ability. Yeah. Just never worked out. I'll tell you who was really over here that I was a little shocked by was the headbangers. Yeah. This crowd loves the headbangers. Uh huh. Well, that's why this feels so much of just like Vince further confirming the direction that he's pushing this company in because he's sitting yep. here at ringside watching the crowd like not give a shit about the new fucking blackjacks. <laughs> and like I you had, said, care about yeah. Mosher and Thrash, who he can't tell apart and is yeah. like very much on the outskirts of being able to describe anything that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This was around the time, too, when I was really heavy into, like, the figures, like, going to the store and buying, like, mm-hmm. and I remember I had the tag team pack of the new Blackjacks. Oh, Brad gosh. Sean Wyndham. Wyndham, that's the other one. All right. Yeah, it's Barry Wyndham with a, yeah, well, it's hard to recognize him with that silly mustache. Dude, it, looks, it looks terrible. Yeah. Um, um, Vince is screaming about the foreign languages some more. Again, they're very proud of all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go over the rules. You can tag in any one of the other participants. <laughs> And, and the winners will get a tag team title shot on Raw tomorrow night, I'm assuming. I'm amazed you were able to read this graphic. What the fuck was this graphic that they put together? Jesus. I'm pretty sure I just heard that. I don't remember uh, if I did read the graphic. Like, it is it is just all of their face. It's, it's the match graphic if you don't right. want to put any text on it. They didn't put any background for the text. So it's just plain text slapped on top of these guys' faces. On top <laughs> of their, their faces being on here, it's yeah. taking the entire screen, by the way, all four by three of it. There's a WrestleMania 13 logo in the middle, which, of course, because it's sponsored by PlayStation, has to accompany a PlayStation. So the PlayStation logo looks like they just slapped it behind some random text on the random spot of the screen. It just looks terrible. (laughs) Like, this is one of the worst graphics I've ever seen, and it's WrestleMania. Now, around this time, they had a bad graphics. Like (laughs) They were trying to go for that, like, 90s extreme and everything, Mm -hmm. and it just made a lot of stuff hard to read and... Kind of cloudy backgrounds. Need some background uh, tables, man. About eighty percent opaqueness. You'll be, you'll be money. Absolutely. But this match starts in a way that I was afraid it would. Everyone brawls. Oh. Like they just. Well, it, real quick before we even sure. get to the brawl, because the new blackjacks get to have a promo segment before they come oh, out. God. We go to yeah. Todd Pettengill in the middle of the announces of of the entrances, and the new blackjacks are back here. Here's what they've got to say. Your strategy going into this matchup. That's right. Tonight, we will be victorious in the blackjack tradition. And then after that, we will be the next WWF Tag Team Champion. 
big guys line up, little guys bunch up. Come get yourself, cause the Blackjacks, ha <laughs> ha, ride again. Let's play Blackjack. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can tell who this tag team is more important to. Yes. Barry Wyndham is like, God, why did I come to this company again? I was the freaking stalker when, you know, all these bad gimmicks. He just wants to go back yeah. to WCW. Bradshaw, on the other hand, is like, listen, I was just Justin Hawk Bradshaw. <laughs> I need this shit to work because he is all in. Like, I'll give him credit for being all in on that promo. Man. You're not wrong. Yeah, there, there's full effort there. There's no ironicness to it. Just big yeah. guys line up, little guys bunch up. Woohoo! Yeah, because as silly as that all sounds, that's exactly what Vince wants. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know, that Bradshaw nailed it. Well, <laughs> whether that's good or not, you know, that's, it's just that's what Vince thinks he wants. But he's also at the same time learning what he's not like. The, like, I feel like this is a pivot point for the company. Oh, like, yeah. So it's well, just very clear yeah. in this match where we've got the headbangers, which are one style of a team. And then mm-hmm. all three of these other ones, which are old school WWE cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. No, you're not wrong. Um, not wrong at all. Um, the Godwins double team Bradshaw. Things kind of settle. Mm-hmm. We get um, Henry and JBL starting things off. Big clothesline from Hank. Uh, Thrasher tags into the match, and Bradshaw delivers a big boot. Pump handle bomb from Bradshaw, and then he tags in Phineas. Um, and, who back body, and we get a back body drop from Phineas Godwin. In comes Mosh. And, uh, oh, no, what are we going to do? In these moments, like, this, oh. I get it. But you literally can just go tag anyone. Yeah. There's there's no rule in wrestling that says when two men are tagged in, they have to make contact mm-hmm. or they have to be in the ring so long before they tag out. Like, <laughs> when you get this, these, like, big, like, oh, man, are they going to fight? It's like, who cares? Like, why would they? Well, why would they, for one? But Vince here is the one that's pushing it all over the top where he's going, well, that's the rules. They have to fight each other or they forfeit. <laughs> if they don't fight each other, they're forfeiting this fucking match. And I was like, what is he talking about? Well, Vince also, I don't think he liked the idea of it or wanted to discuss it because later someone brings up King, I'd imagine probably, brings up the idea of like, why wouldn't you just pin your tag team partner? Wouldn't yeah. that mean you you win the match? And Vince just isn't even having it. Like, there's no <laughs> further discussion. I feel like he like hit the cue button. Was like, oh. don't bring that shit up again. Like, you know, <laughs> we don't we don't have an answer for that. Damn it, you're right. That'd be anarchy. Well, we do get Vince get, giving a little bit of approval here with his fake laugh to King's comment on uh, musical tastes. Here they go. Oh. <laughs> Anything about rock music? Your favorite rock group is Mount Rushmore. <laughs> uh, see, King can just pull off nice, dumb dad jokes, and he doesn't have to be so pervy. You know, like true. It's kind of a relief every now and then. But none of these teams have a female companion with them, so there's no one for him to perv on. So no, you're right. Um, in comes Lafon, and the crowd goes mild. Um, he tags in, and we get a double team flapjack from Furnace and Lafon. A snap suplex. Listen, he they they are they're wonderful technicians. Yeah, but they're just, just boring. <laughs> exactly. I, enough said. Um, in comes Barry Windham. Um, he is hit with a Northern Light suplex. Furnace now tags in and delivers a Huracurana. Again, and flashes of, you know, kind of what got them so famous from their time in all Japan. They just had used up their best years before they got here. 
Uh, Wyndham catches a leapfrog and delivers a slam, followed by a leg drop before he tags in. Ha <laughs> ha, Bradshaw. <laughs> oh, Bradshaw runs in, hits the double team shoulder block. Vince says anything can happen in the WWF. What would happen if King got excited and went in the ring and cleared house? And King goes, that could happen. I was like, what? Could that happen? Like, I read. <laughs> I don't know. Where's the, there's this weird rockers. There's you know, this if weird. Anyone can just run out here. It's it's like Vince is acting like the the WWE audience here is not supposed to ever know that Jim Lawler or Jerry Lawler was ever a wrestler or has ever wrestled because also at some point Jim Ross makes a joke about like well I don't see you getting up in there or something like that like you how you you'd never get into the wrestling ring. Yeah, Vince, and it even goes back to like when he first kind of came in, and like in like ninety three, ninety four time when they were phasing King like out of the ring more. Mm-hmm. It was almost like once he wasn't a full time wrestler, he didn't want him to ever be discussing like the idea that he could beat a wrestler. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like no, no, you're a commentator. Yeah, and like almost like no, no, don't talk about the fact that you were the king of Memphis <laughs> for fifty years or whatever it was. Seriously. So. Uh, yeah. So we get a drop kick from Furnace since Bradshaw to the outside. Uh, Bradshaw suplexes Doug from the ring. To the outside from the apron, um, after a little help from his tag team partner, Barry Wyndham. And uh, the Blackjacks have been disqualified. <laughs> he just punches for... the referee. <laughs> yeah, he just punches the ref. And even Jim Ross, which we have we forgot to mention because they barely let him speak a lot of times anyways. He was just like, well, that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, Bradshaw just punches the ref, he gets DQ'd, and the ref apparently has a zero-tolerance policy for fighting because he then started fighting Furnace right afterwards, and they just throw Furnace and Lafon out as well. They're just like, you guys you guys are done. The, re- the announcers couldn't even... Do- they, like, they don't even... like Were they counted out? Did they get disqualified? No idea. No one knows. No, It never gets cleared up. <laughs> Anyways... They got a payday, I- though. They walk to the back. Yeah. And here's the thing. If this match started right now... This wouldn't have been a bad opening, yeah. Because even in my notes by the end of this match, I'm like, it just should have been headbangers and Godwins. Yeah, like nobody wanted those other two teams. No, Vince just knew that he had to get the the fucking. He's got to get these Japanese boys on there, and he's got got to get the new headbanger, or the new fucking blackjacks on. Jesus, yeah. So it's headbangers, Godwins. Phineas hits a stalling suplex on Thrasher. Mosh would break up the pin attempt. In comes Who? Henry Godwin. Vince yes. is calling the play-by-play and just keeps calling the headbanger. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's not like these guys are brand new at this point. You know what I mean? I wondered like, about that because I was like, these guys have to have been around for longer than just like I mean, two or three days, right? Long enough that you would think Vince would know their names, especially considering what ends up happening here and the next night, in fact. Um, yeah, Henry's in now, runs the head of Thrasher into the turnbuckle. Phineas tags in, hits a headbutt. Thrasher and Phineas then spit into one another's faces because they're both gross, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince accuses Phineas of animal sex. What? That's just the kind of conversation we're what? freely having. I did not hear that at all. Uh, I wish I'd have made a better note about it. I was being ironic. Oh. I was thought maybe you would have caught like the. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's not so much. I don't think he brings it up. He just like doesn't really like push back or something when the king oh, okay. says something kind of mean. And he's just like, well, I don't know. Like, he just doesn't fight him. Gotcha. Uh, Henry got him with a splash on Thrasher, gets a two count. In comes Mosh. And I was just like, this match felt like Mosh was out there for a while. And we were waiting on this, like, hot tag, basically. And I got to tell you, this is the coldest tag in the history of, like, a tag team match. <laughs> it feels like the spot where it should have been, like, a big hot tag. Yeah. Instead, it's just kind of like a slow, like, eh. 
here you go, come into the match. Like, I don't know, it just mm-hmm. felt a little off. Uh, then Mosh and Henry would spill to the outside of the ring. Yeah, same same uh, clothesline that Bradshaw hit earlier on Furnace. Um, Mosh with a corner springboard clothesline onto the apron on Henry, and then Thrasher dives out onto him as well on the floor. And this is when the we get... The crowd was... Oh, sorry. Real quick, we get more discussion of rock bands from the King and Vince. You see the ring of time, right, man? You got any white zombie CDs? White zombie? Yeah. Uh, no, I... Did they ever play with Tony Bennett? I'll see there. Off the rope. Oh, the clothesline. You still think Fleetwood Mac is a new hamburger down at McDonald's, don't you? That's like, a- King, you just ruined your whole thing with that second joke. Like, you just dated way back. White Zombie yeah. and Fleetwood Mac are, like, decades apart as far as, like, right. major, you know, popularity. Right, yeah. It's like, you were okay, and then you brought up a band from the 70s. And it's like, <laughs> no, I lost the point there a little bit. I was just going to say, though, the crowd, man, were eating the shit up at that point. That, that mm-hmm. sequence there with Mosh with the crossbody and the Thrasher jumping over the rope, you know, they were, you know, getting as excited as they could possibly get about this match. Um, Thrasher pulls Henry into position, but misses a moonsault. Both men need a tag. Now we get hot tags. Mosh and Phineas are in. Slams on both headbangers. Back elbow and a clothesline that sends Thrasher out of the ring. Uh, the slop drop, though, is blocked, and Mosh would hit the stage dive for the one, two, three, and the somewhat upset victory over the former tag team champions, the headbangers, with the win. Yeah. Yeah, man, I I wasn't sure what it was called, the stage dive? Okay, because, yeah, you yeah. just like a diving, like, I'm going to sit on your chest move. Right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I was excited to see them get the win here. I mean, uh, over the other three teams, I, it, damn right they needed to get the win here. This is this is a sad <laughs> set of starters. Well, I mean, the Godwins were were fairly over. I mean, at least these bad guys and had been champions at that point. But, yeah, the rest of it was not great. Um, and I'm almost positive, again, they just added this shit to Peacock, I I meant to go watch this stuff, but I'm almost like 100% positive the Headbangers would win the tag belts. As oh, well. nice. Like the next, like somehow they beat Owen and Bulldog. I think Austin, you know, Austin gets involved or something. So nice. So this is when we fade to black for a. I, mean, I, I didn't know what was happening at this point, but I would learn this is where they edited in the commercial breaks for the Peacock Network, which I've paid too much for, apparently. Um, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't make any note of when the commercial breaks happened, but yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> then we go to a promo, and remember that video we showed at the beginning of this show about how sportsmanship, camaraderie, and then no, it's violence. Blah, blah, blah. They do the All exact right. same equation here, but for in your house, which is live Sunday, April twentieth. And yeah, they're much more lighthearted as well. Like it's kind of like whoa, wacky oh, yeah. and wild, Todd <laughs> Pettengale. True. And now then we see a Vince McMahon is God sign in the crowd. And then we see the uh, classic, everybody's favorite, Louis Albano is in the crowd. Hey, buddy, buddy, buddy. Uh, yeah, we got Captain Lou and Arnold Scotland, uh, you know, longtime competitor, also longtime manager of Bob Backlund, the man who threw in the towel when he was fighting the Sheik when he became champion. Mm. Um, but the legends don't end there, folks, because it is time for the all-time greatest intercontinental champion of all of all time. The honky-tonk man <laughs> makes his way to the ring. Uh, and then he's called over to ringside by the king to join them on commentary yeah. for match number two for the intercontinental championship. It's the Sultan along with Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund taking on the champion, some kid named Rocky Maivia. 
Yeah. And Honky Tonk like sings his theme into the mic at one point. Oh man. It's it's the best. It is the best. <laughs> and I feel really bad for not having the audio of that, but um <laughs> it no, is he's, good stuff. He's at his here's the thing. He's at his obnoxious best. He's doing everything that you want the honky tonk man to do. Mm-hmm. Um it's it seems a little out of place here because they don't really give what's because I watched these raws not too terribly long ago in my in like a watch through. Like he's weekly out there during certain matches scouting yeah. looking for his next protege to make them the greatest intercontinental champion they honestly barely mentioned that like i think you could watch this entire <laughs> match without ever realizing why the honky talk man is out there. i think i remember hearing like uh, when i was first listening to the bruce pritchard podcast him mentioned something about like how this program just disappears Whoa. like they're just like yeah no we just Whoa. stopped eventually <laughs> yeah well because we get rockabilly oh okay and That's then right. that dies. But we do get the New Age Outlaws. So, I mean, you know, one thing dies, another thing is born, and, you know. Well, King tells us Rocky won this title on a fluke, and he doesn't stand a chance against the Sultan. And uh, some pyro goes off in the ring for the Sultan when he gets in. Yeah, do you know who the Sultan is? Is this uh, fucking father of, of, of the, the Usos? <laughs> Father of the Usos. Rikishi, yes. Yes, right. I couldn't remember his name. Even during my notes, <laughs> I was like, I know his name, but I cannot remember it for any for the life of me. Uh, Rock jogs to the ring like a jobber. I don't know why he was in a hurry. It was... Oh, like, Trestlemania, Trussle- kid. He's the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. Like, soak it in a little bit. What are you doing? He's the Slammy Award-winning Rocky Maivia, named as the new sensation of the year at the Slammy mm-hmm. Awards. Which this one of those slammy years I remember vividly because the results were in the WWF magazine the following month with photos and everything. So oh, nice, good times. Um, the Sheik made the mistake <laughs> of getting all the way into the ring, yeah. and now we are running out of time to get his ass out of the ring as he as he also waves the flag of a country that I'm almost positive the Sultan is not representing. <laughs> Maybe he is. I don't, I don't know. know. I wasn't sure where the Sultan was supposed to be from, but yeah. And Bob Backlund must be, I don't know, not feeling it tonight because he is just He's just kind of walking around. Like, he doesn't yeah. do much. And post-match, he just kind of disappeared. Yeah, it's a little weird. Well, we see Tony Atlas sitting at ringside, and the king shouts at him to quit chewing gum on TV, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of those weird, like, older generation things that yes. I don't think twice about, but gum is very offensive to some people. <laughs> I don't know. I do not uh, want to see you chewing. Right. Tony Atlas, the former tag team partner of uh, Rocky Maivia's father, Rocky Johnson. It's kind of ah, his okay. uh, significance here. Gotcha. But uh, but yeah, here we go. Dude. Rocky, who also, I believe it was a upset victory over Hunter Hearst Helmsley, if I'm correct, is how he became Intercontinental Champion. And it's you know, in his early stages of his career, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He asks for crowd support. And when the Sultan shoves him, no one really reacts. I was, I was like, "Oh boy, this is a, a cold, cold spot here early on." Um, well, and it's it's what birthed the Rock character. You know what I mean? It was these yeah. first year or so of the fans just being mean to him for no well, reason. And there's there's times that we've seen this Rocky Maivia character where we've almost kind of seen the opposite of what like the narrative is, like the crowd reacting fairly positively to him. Mm-hmm. But here at the open of this one, I was just like, Oof. I thought they would get at least a little bit, but nothing early." <laughs> Well, it doesn't help that he's fighting the Sultan either. No, again, like, well, yeah, where does this character come from? Has the Sultan been like running wild for the entirety of 1996? No, <laughs> no it's just a big, scary heel that, you know, your rookie can get a victory over. 
Well, The Rock hits, uh, well, he gets shoulder blocked from the Sultan and then hits some clotheslines, hits a drop kick that sends the Sultan retreating to the floor. Uh, Rock then rolls out, delivers punches, but the clothesline misses because he goes for him at the ring post. The Sultan ducked him and The Rock just kind of ran right into the ring post or Rocky Mayavias, excuse me, ran into the ring post. Yes. How dare you? You know, Make sure you get that right. Um yeah, we get back in the ring. Sultan lays forearms to the back. Well, clothesline drops Rocky. Yes. Did you notice that Honky Tonk, like the other guys are speaking to each other and the Honky Tonk man is screaming all of the dialogue that he has just at these yeah. guys. Yeah, I don't know if he his headphones don't work right or what's going on. Because, <laughs> yeah, he is screaming at the top of his lungs. Uh, we get the trapezius hold from Sultan. Oh, man, here we go. Uh, Honky Tonk Man explains that he would not be in that position. He would not allow himself to be in that position. Um, now, Rocky, then, yes. I'm sorry. I got distracted in this match by the Sultan's boots. Did you notice that they look three sizes too big for this man's feet? I didn't really notice. Did they have the like, uh, curled toes? They do have the curled toes, and it, he like he almost twists an ankle at one point early on, and that's <laughs> when I started really noticing it. And like when he's walking, there's so much extra space. I was like, whose boots did he borrow to do this gimmick in like yeah. are these are these the iron sheiks does the iron sheik have giant feet that i don't know of maybe did they make him taller like did it look like they were lifts or something <sighs> it didn't necessarily it just there was just a lot of like loose like leather around like the ankle part and where it like joints mm. up where you don't normally see a lot of bending and curvature in, in guys boots i was yeah. just, it was very curious to me um and it didn't look like he was very comfortable in them so that's also why i was curious about that uh, Honky Tonk Man starts shouting about Cindy Margulies at some point. He's very upset that The Rock uh, apparently was seen with Cindy Margolis. I think she may have presented the Slammy that he won. Gotcha. And she was the most downloaded woman on the internet at that time or whatever. Ah, so she overtook Sunny, so. Yes. The Sunny one, I don't know if it's ever. Cindy Margolis, I remember being like in the Guinness Book of World Records for that shit. Oh. I don't remember Sonny ever being in there. I feel like that was just one of those like WWF claims at some point. The Sultan hits a diving headbutt from the top rope, and then the fans boo as he taunts them. He then, uh, sunset flip attempt leads to an Aloha Arn Sultan for a minute, for a second, but then he grabs the throat of the rock, brings him to his feet, hits the belly-to-belly suplex, and the announcers are not impressed with a lack of leg-hooking covers by the Sultan after the rock kicks out. Well, it's just dumb, like, heel work in this match. And the announcers call him out on it. So it's like, well, whose idea was it for him to wrestle like this? Because, yeah, he <laughs> doesn't go for pin, pin attempts after, like, big impact moves. Mm-hmm. He taunts the crowd, and then he, like, does arrogant pins. And, like, you're kind of new. You know what I mean? It's like you're fighting a champion. It just doesn't make a lot of sense that he wouldn't yeah. be trying to do everything he could to beat the man. For sure. But we get a double clothesline. And both men are now down. Uh, yeah, Rocky fights his way up. We, yeah, we get the double clothesline. Sultan has too much experience, according to Vince, which that line just cracks me. I'm like, yeah, the man under the map does, but I don't think the Sultan character has been here that long. Uh, Rocky Maivia fires up, laying in punches, drop kick followed by a belly-to-belly of his own, only gets a two count. The crucifix DDT from Maivia, and he goes to the top rope, hits a beautiful flying crossbody, but the Iron Sheik has the ref distracted. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Yeah, yeah he's just probably. on the apron. And he is not happy. Right. About who knows what. It's hard to say. But a nice thrust kick from the Sultan uh, after he got distracted. 
but The Rock's able to kick out at two. And then Vince says, there's no quit in his heritage. What the fuck does that mean? A pile driver by the Sultan. He covers, but Rock is able to kick out. Rock then rolls up the Sultan and gets a quick three count out of nowhere. And your winner and still champion, Rocky Maivia. It was just like in a match that people were already like, eh, you know, like not really into. But they, you know, when Rock would kind of fire up, they would start to, you know, get a little more interested. To give it this kind of an ending, it was just like, <laughs> yep. Just it, it had no, it just had no impact on the crowd. Oh. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I wish, like I wish the cross body would have been the end. Like that, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the top, you know, top rope cross body or something like that. Just a little bit more of a flashy maneuver that had the crowd excited as he got the pinfall. Instead, it was like complete silence. Oh, and then he got a schoolboy. Oh, yep. and it's over. Yeah. And then it's just like the, the awkwardness continues. Rock immediately rolls out of the ring to get next to JR uh, to get an interview, and he's immediately attacked from behind before he can even like say anything uh, from the Sultan. Yeah, which at WrestleMania really pisses me off. Yeah. You know, like, have him be attacked by anybody else that's not involved in this match. Yeah. You know, I don't better. think anyone was exactly asking for more Sultan anyway. No, but he grabs him. Throws him in the ring, hits a diving frog splash on the rock, and the Iron Sheik gets in and grabs the camel clutch while the Sultan slaps the face of the rock. And this is all a setup to have the man down and, and in need when here comes Dad, Rocky Johnson, gets in the ring, punches the Sultan, and oh, I wish the crowd would have reacted more. They were barely reacting, but I was excited. He protects yeah. Rocky. The Sultan grabs the flag and just wears out the old man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Backlund at least did run a distraction. It was about all he did. Yeah. Uh, Sultan used the flag. Now Maivia's up, and he uh, runs the Sultan out of the ring. We get slams from Rocky, Maivia, and his dad. Right before they got the comeback, I love like, they tear the shirt off Rocky's back, and Honky Tonk Man is screaming into the microphone, Stretch him, Sheik! Stretch him! Yeah. <laughs> Rip, rip his clothes off. Rip his clothes off. Stretch him. Yeah, it was. He was very excited about all of this. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Backlund just didn't do anything, and then the father and son hug, and uh, everyone's happy. Yep. Yeah, it was good stuff. I mean, I I enjoyed the the post match. After, even mm-hmm. though it was kind of ridiculous to the way they set it up, I you know getting to see Rocky Johnson in there with Rocky Maivia that was fun. Yeah, no, yeah, it was good stuff. Good ending. The match wasn't good, but yeah, that was that part was fun. King says his idiot father had no right being here, and he probably didn't even have a ticket to this show. I was like, well, how did you think he got in here then? Um, <laughs> but yeah, back to Todd Pettengill, who's got Ken Shamrock with a painted-on T-shirt of of his referee gear, mm-hmm. and he says on Raw Monday, Billy Gunn challenged him to a match. So we're gonna get we're gonna see Billy Gunn versus Ken Shamrock coming up on Monday. Which is great. Well, because he did like a display of his MMA takedowns. Oh, that's what he was doing. Okay. Yeah. He had like a sparring thing kind of with Billy or whatever. Um, just a little bit of a taste, I guess, of his, you know, what he was going to do in the ring. Uh, he says he was hired to ref this match because he's, you know, nobody knows more about submissions than he does. Um, and he was not going to be intimidated by Brett or Steve Austin. Nice. Yes. And then. It's time to throw from Todd Pettengill to everybody's favorite B backstage interviewer, Doc Hendricks, who's with Triple H in China. And dude, Triple H talks, but doesn't really say much. 
I can take gold dust any way I want. Today I'm going to take him straight up, one on one. But the big loser is going to be Marlena because you had the chance and you turned it down. So your special talent had better be running with China at ringside tonight, Marlena. And like that's it. He just leaves and goes to the ring at that point. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, a little bit strange there. Um, China, who and because you know he asks about the relationship and. Hunter tells him tells Doc that it's none of his business. Doesn't need to know anything about their relationship. Because <laughs> um, China's just recently debuted, okay, and, uh, you know, in, in the company, and really little to nothing is known about her at this point. So she's been apparently just told just stare at Marlena all the time throughout this match, please. And so yeah, that's what she will pretty do. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, it's time for match number three, right? Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, match number three. It's just a singles match between Triple H, along with China, taking on Goldust, who is accompanied by Marlena. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Marlena, who apparently turned Triple H down. And so now we have to have a fight. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, well, the announcers put over the size of China. And Jesus, we learned, do they? Oh goodness! Yeah, no, it's it gets ridiculous at points. I'm sure I have more more notes about that. Uh, from 1996, the Slammy Award winners for Best Couple went to Goldust and Marlena. We're told that makes sense. You know, Sable and Marrow probably uh, came in close second. Yeah, Jr. says Marlena's not an athlete; she's a director. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Jr. His line when China comes out, boy, she's a big one. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised to find out that by the end of this match, I was more annoyed with JR than I was the king yep. when it came to his comments about the women in this match. Well, because China's an a evil person, so he gets to just say whatever he wants as the baby face. It's like, it, it gets a little bad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, King suggests, I mean, listen, I'm not saying, not excusing King. He would suggest that she was so ugly as a baby, she was breastfed by her father. So they're just laying on, laying them in a uh, China. Yeah, I think I just skipped over that in my notes for some reason. I don't know why I did that, but yeah, I was kind of ignoring those guys. Uh, Gold Dust is in control early on here with strikes, including his on the knees punch. He does the ten punches in the corner, and then Gold Dust turns and spits on China after the ninth punch. Uh, we get an inverted atomic drop, and Dust clotheslines Triple H to the floor. Yeah, uh, Hunter gets tied up in the ropes. And Goldust delivers shots to the face. Goldust with a kick and uh, to the face just as Hunter breaks free. Goldust would clothesline him back into the ring from the apron. Uh, and Hunter then would deliver the face buster to the knee on Goldust. Uh, but Goldust came right back, catching Hunter with a power slam. He would go up top, but Hunter cuts him off and climbs up with him. Uh, Goldust blocks a superplex, but Hunter would drop him to the floor. So instead of going into the ring, he just... Dumps Goldust from the top rope to the outside. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Goldust had hit his face on the ring apron as he fell. And Hunter just kind of collapsed back inside the ring at that point. Yeah. So, you know, they, they fall out. And, and once they get back in, in uh, Triple H is in control as he gets him back in the ring. Uh, he, he goes for a cover, gets a two count, and then picks him up, takes him to the corner. And we get the loudest zipper I have ever heard in my life. And Goldust having a presence of mind to be able to lift that left shoulder. But the ending could be near that's, here. That's Triple match. H 
unzipping his shirt to like slap oh. him in the chest. But it is so loud. It just blew me away. How it sounds so close to the mic. It's <laughs> that weird. is that's wild. It's like was he wearing a wire? It's like, yeah. It's uh, like they added sound effects in for it or something. Uh, King would suggest they filmed gorillas in the mist in China's shower. So yeah, again, that just, was where I was like, come on, man. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Uh, Hunter would send Goldust into the corner hard and then apply the abdominal stretch. Um, and the one thing about, you know, and I know it's just wrestling and it, their characters, but I never really understood the idea. And I still don't understand the idea of a wrestler who's rich outside the ring, who's wildly wealthy. Mm-hmm. Why would they be a wrestler? You know what I mean? Like, and especially when their character talks about the finer things and that yeah. they do this and they do that. It's like, then why do you also subject yourself to <laughs> fighting in a wrestling ring it's for the glory tony you gotta be the ah, champion. yes i'm sorry uh, no you're not wrong because yeah they talk about how triple h is a conceited rich man from connecticut and king right. takes shits on people from connecticut and vince laughs about it um of course abdominal stretch king says that money is the root of all wealth and then dust flips triple h off and gets free and they Take shots at China, staring at Marlena across the ring, which is actually pretty good stuff. Uh, JR then calls her a horse and says yeah. she looks like either Wilbur or a Mr. Ed. Again, completely unprovoked. Yeah. You know what I mean? For the most part, like she's not done or said anything. Just scowled at people. But since Just Triple scowled. H is mean, that means we can say whatever we want about this woman's appearance. I guess. Yeah. Gold does <laughs> with his knees. Um, up, catches Triple H in the crotch. Uh, we get a suplex on Goldust and then a knee drop for a two. Goldust, though, fires up with shots in the corner. Triple H, though, would catch him with a DDT, and both men are slow to get up. Uh, Goldust blocks a hip toss and caught a backslide for a two on Hunter. Schoolboy, then, from Goldust, also gets a two count. And uh, Triple H puts an end to all that and is with a clothesline that drops Goldust. Um, he then fell on Goldust as he attempted a spray two, so... The back is giving out on you know gold dust at this point in the match. And then Triple H does a weird thing and climbs to the top rope like he always does in his matches. You know, when he, he does those big diving moves. Um, yeah. He dives at Dust, who is turned around away from him but standing up. And Dust just kind of like jumps up in the air and hits him with his butt. And this is the <laughs> announcement of that. Helms are going upstairs and gold dust this time. Keister there, I don't even know if Goldust knew where Hunter Hurst Helmsley was. What'd you call that? A Keister clobber. Well, call it what you will. Oh. It was effective, nonetheless. <laughs> Clobbered him with his Keister. Oh, <laughs> the old Keister clobber. Uh, Taguchi's been calling it the wrong thing all along. Oh, yeah. Who knew? You need the word Keister in <laughs> Japanese wrestling. <laughs> right. Uh, so both men are down after that. Goldust sidesteps Hunter, and he crashes into the corner. Um, the crowd was also at times like I thought just kind of sitting on their hands when they really shouldn't have been also mm-hmm. like it, like it takes, it just seems to take quite a bit to get them, you know, excited at, at really any point in the show. Did they, um, did they react when China started like walking towards Marlena? Cause I feel like that was, a moment Oh yeah. They're, like they're, they're wild. Them. Yeah. They're wild by the end of this match. Uh, gold does with a back body drop. He then sends Hunter into the corner and he flips up and over and back down. Gold does with the bulldog. Only manages a two count, though. Mm-hmm. And this is when China begins walking towards Marlena. Uh, in ring, Dust is about to hit the curtain call, 
but Triple H counters, and then Triple H wants the pedigree, but Dust counters that and gives up another curtain call to save Marlena, which he does by lifting Marlena onto the apron, uh, like from behind. And so she's on the apron. Triple H runs, hits a knee to the back of Gold Dust, which forces him to shove Marlena off the apron into the waiting arms of China, who just ragdolls Marlena for the final 30 seconds of this match and just watching her down in the corner, just continue to just throw herself back and forth while China is hugging her. It just cracked me up as triple H hits the pedigree and pins gold dust for the win. And your winner is triple H. Yeah, no, yeah, the China stuff is amazing. She just <laughs> manhandles poor Marlena. Um, <clears throat> the ending was really great. I thought I like, you know, I thought the drama and, all the shenanigans went together well, and overall, I thought these two had a great match. No, yeah, I thought overall this was a, a lot of fun. And uh, even though it didn't have, you know, coming into it, I wasn't really expecting a lot, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so Goldust is, of course, concerned about Marlena mm-hmm. after the match is over. Um, Vince is, like, concerned about him moving her. You know, even <laughs> they discuss the possibility of her having broken ribs. Mm-hmm. And then we get replays of the match. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. And then, you know, afterwards, the gold dust and Marlena are crying and mm-hmm. he picks her up and takes her away. And and then I just like, oh, here we go. The classic Shawn Michaels laptop gif as we see that Shawn is backstage on WWF.com. Someone compiled like all of them and it's ridiculous. Dude, There's like he's done 12 it for, like, of these. Yeah, he's done it so many times at this point. But yeah, folks, Shawn Michaels, the face of the company in one of its most tumultuous times, isn't fighting tonight, isn't having his rematch with Bret Hart. No, he's hamming it up for the camera, doing an AOL online <laughs> bit at the biggest show of the year. Yep. Still getting his payday, though, I'm sure, because he's at the biggest show of the year. So yeah, so yeah more on that later. Match As we go four. to match, match four for the WWF Tag Team Championships, let's have two heel teams fight. It's Vader and Mankind, along with Paul Bearer, taking on the champions, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I was kind of, I was wondering the same thing. Also, why does someone have a Joseph of Arimathea sign near the entrance at the beginning of this? Oh, I don't know what that is. That's that's just a weird, like, Bible reference to, like, a character. Oh, okay. I don't understand why there's a sign there. (laughs) But uh, Vince pimps the $18,000 sellout crowd. And says 18,000 people, not dollars. He, he said dollar, and it was Oh, weird. really? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then he's so glad that the viewers are watching. And Jim Ross is going for an interview on the ramp of our champions. And this is what happens. Well, I want to ask you, are you offended when Owen Hart said he was smarter than you and that he was the captain of the team? I'm trying to stir him up. Listen, you're a cowboy wannabe. You leave Bulldogs alone. He's got two belts. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Owen's response, but it was just so weird. Like Jim Ross has been the got the good guy this entire time, and then he's just like, "I'm gonna get in here and and stir shit up." <laughs> yeah, it's odd. Yeah, I mean, because King even like calls him out for it when he gets back to the desk. Uh, I love the fake cowboy line that cracked me up. <laughs> Owen also though did make sure to mention that he's the leader of the team. He does confirm that. Oh yeah. But the two belts that Owen's talking about is that Bulldog is also the European champion. At this time. Mm-hmm. So he had just beaten Owen, in fact, I think, in the tournament final. And uh, 
This was before Shawn Michaels just decided that one night when they were in the UK, he wanted to be the European champion and beat the Bulldog for it. But that would be <laughs> a few months down the road from tonight. Oh, goodness. King says something about the phrase, God save the queen. And Jim Ross spits off that, well, your favorite queen is RuPaul over there. And this gets a hearty laugh from Vince. How much? I mean, I'm sure JR was just glad that he finally got to say anything. Like, it's odd how <laughs> he just doesn't get in much tonight, it seems like. No, no, you're right. And this is, it, it's very clear by the end of this, and it won't, you know, it'll be an, an entire year before Vince will go away from the announced team. But it's clear by this right. show that it's like you don't need Vince McMahon on this table. No, he's, yeah, doing nothing. Um, Owen and Vader start the matchup. Uh, the less stronger man, as mm-hmm. Jim Ross would uh, say it exactly. Uh, <laughs> Vader pummels Owen in the corner, as only Vader can. It looks brutal. Yeah. Uh, Owen the slides under, uh, but could not drop Vader with a clothesline. He does end up dropping the big man with a back-spinning heel kick. Uh, Vader, though, would catch Owen and hit a slam, but miss the elbow drop. The quicker Owen Hart, using his speed. Vader then with a friendly powerbomb on Owen Hart. Oh, um, I was just like, man, Vader must like Owen. <laughs> well, and if you've ever watched, I mean, I don't recommend you going out of your way, but I mean, I've seen, you know, Cornette videos where he's talking about Vader just before this or a lot of kind of like during the feud of Shawn Michaels in 96. Mm-hmm. And like after the stuff of Shawn man, Vader was just broken. Like, I mean, oh, just really? Okay. Cause he just, he got to be more timid. That's why you see mm-hmm. like this kind of thing with the power bomb. Like he was just so afraid to get fired. Like he just felt like Makes sense. he was you know going to get fired at any time because of the way Shawn Michaels treated him during their feud. And so you can kind of see the effects of it here. You know, Vader uh, not, not quite following through like you normally would see. Well, Jim Ross loses his mind. Vader should have. That's the moment right there. Vader should have covered. He should have covered him right there. That's when we look back at this match, that's going to be the moment that we talk about. Uh, Vader wants the Vader bomb, but he taunts and the Bulldog's able to break it up while he wastes time. Uh, there's all four men in the ring. It works down to Mankind and Bulldog. Uh, Bulldog vertical suplex Mankind, uh, then hits an incoming Vader with a suplex, a chin lock by the Bulldog, and JR plays up the Superstar Hotline where Brian Pillman, Sonny, and Shawn Michaels are all talking right now. Imagine what they're talking about. Vince probably doesn't want to imagine what they may or may not be talking those about. Three, that, that, that probably, I would, I'm very curious on what the recording of that sounds like. Because he couldn't have known, probably, and he, the thought of it was making him nervous, I'm sure, at that moment. I'm um, sure they're just all talking about Bret Hart's sunny days or something. Like. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vader low bridges the bulldog, and he falls out of the ring. Mankind with the urn from Paul Bear, uh, but the bulldog hits a drop toe hold before he could use it, and it spills, but luckily nothing fell out. Yeah, it's, uh, Va- it spills and it, it makes it very clear that, like, all that lid's just attached to that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, Vader grabs the urn and hits the bulldog with it. The ref just, whatever. Yeah, like, doesn't care. Well, the one thing, and I've seen people talk about this in reference to this show specifically and kind of, you know, this beginning, like, ECW is all over this show. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the okay. influence of ECW yeah. is the fighting out of the ring the kind of loosening of the rules, the officials, mm-hmm. um, the weapon, like none of this shit had been ha- like Jay, the King had to apologize on raw for using a trash can on Duke Drosy <laughs> because Vince was like, so disgusted by the use of like yeah. a weapon in a wrestling match, you know, like it. Now we watch this and you might be like, Oh yeah, whatever. But it's like, if you'd been watching up to this night around this time, like, I mean, this is a big, big departure difference. for the company. 
as far as the brawling and the hardcore influence and all that kind of stuff. So gotcha. you can definitely feel like, you know, you can see the, the ECW bleeding in here. For sure. We get splashes from Vader in the corner on Bulldog. He hits one from Brett's rope as well for a two count. Mankind tags in, beats on the Bulldog for a few seconds, tags Vader right back in. Vader then dives off the top and Bulldog uh, just kind of olays him, just kind of like moves out of the side and lets him fall and then tags in Owen. We get a missile drop kick, a kip up, and then a sunset flip. He climbs the corner, dives into a crossbody for a two count on Vader, uh, but Owen gets a running uh, there is on might be on mankind at this point, but uh, Owen with a running the ropes and Vader shoots back with the shoulder blocks. There you go, Vader's back in. Mankind and Vader double team Owen with elbow drops across the throat, and then Mankind drops Owen's face across the ropes, and the two heels beat on Owen right in front of his parents. Yeah, isn't that awful? I also loved how excited the King was to realize that Stu and Helen were there. He was so excited that they were there, but I love how much he points out the fact that they are terrible at emoting in any way possible. And Vince always insists on showing them, and we always have the King saying, look, they don't even care. And it's like, yeah, they don't look like they care. That's the problem. No, no, they literally look like they don't even know where they are, unfortunately. Stu never looks like he knows where he is on those shots. He always looks like he's surprised there's a camera looking at him. Like, what? I I said no cameras. Yeah. Um, I loved that, like, uh, when they held Owen in the backbreaker position, Mankind hit the elbow off the apron. That was good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they fight. They beat him up on the outside. Owen counters a neckbreaker and delivers a DDT. Mankind got his knees up on a senton and covers for a two. Vince McMahon is around this match, but I think he's now said it for the second time. Notes all the DDTs, and he mentions it a few <laughs> times throughout the night. Seen a lot of those DDTs tonight, and I just figured like that's going to be something that's mentioned. <laughs> oh, we're told- there is. There's like a, there's a DDT in like every match. You're right. Now that you point that out, I, I hadn't noticed that that would be like a big deal. But you're right; it is. It is totally there. We're told this is the fifth pay per view from Chicago for the uh, the company. The last one being SummerSlam 1994. And Vince talks about how the heels need to work over the very small 245 pound Owen Hart. That terribly small man, 245 pounds. Well, I was watching some like old NWA stuff, or like in the light heavyweight <laughs> cutoff was like 235. I'm like. <laughs> Shit, there's barely any wrestlers that are bigger than 235 nowadays. Oh. Vader yeah, so. with elbow shots to the kidneys, and Vince says this one is history, not history, instead of saying that it got kicked out of. But yeah, uh, Mankind tags in and throws Owen outside. Yeah, Owen catches Mankind with a belly-to-belly on the floor and ends a gurry from Owen on Mankind, and then he tags in the Bulldog. Vader also tags in. Bulldog takes out both men, back elbow on Mankind, and he tosses him face first into the corner. Mankind, though, with the mandible claw as Vader drops Owen. Um, Owen falls into them, though, causing Bulldog and Mankind to spill to the floor. Mankind would not break the hold, though, and would maintain it on the outside, leading to a double countout. No one wins. was a sad end to an otherwise really good match. And not a bad finish. I'd like to finish. I don't like it at WrestleMania. I don't like it at WrestleMania between two heel teams, no. Well, the, yeah, the heel <laughs> team thing also is there. But, you know, yeah, this would have been a great way to build towards a WrestleMania match. No, this um, was fun, though. It was a good match overall. Mm-hmm. Mankind um, won't let go. Owen's trying to get him to release the mandible claw. Uh, Vader, though, would attack Owen and sends him into the steps. Uh, 
Vader, kill him. I heard someone say, kill him, whenever like, he was doing that. Um, the hold is eventually broken as Owen checks on his brother-in-law, Davy Boy. Yeah. Mankind and Vader raise their arms while they leave. And I was like, all right, well, that was that was a fun a fun match. I'm glad that that happened, and we're kind of getting back into things. Um, yeah. Because it's time now for it's the t- hype video. Yeah, now it's time to watch Bret Hart bitch in a vignette. Um, <laughs> they are really playing up this whiner Bret Hart yep. character that they have designed here. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why what we're about to talk about is one of the greatest matches of all time is because of what it accomplished from the standpoint of the double turn. Yeah. You know, from taking, you know, a bad guy in Steve Austin and a perennial good guy in Bret Hart coming into this match, even though, like, you know, the lines were blurring even beforehand. Mm-hmm. But by the end of this match, you've got a red hot baby face and you've got the biggest heel in the company. Yeah. No, here's the thing. Vince has given up on Bret Hart being a babyface already, and that's the only issue that I have with this whole thing. It's like, if Vince wouldn't have been so against him already at this point, then it would have been more of a pure double turn. But like you're saying, it is a really impressive performance nonetheless. And Vince... So, like, because the video is even designed to get the crowd in Bret's shoes. They want you to be thinking about this mm-hmm. from his point of view. They're like, yep. imagine, you're Bret Hart... You leave for six months, and when you come back, the world's been turned upside down. This guy that flips people off and hates everything you've mm-hmm. been about is the number one babyface in the world. Everyone loves him, and yep. <laughs> and you're getting screwed over by the company. And like we see him, like we see Bret Hart cutting promos directly at Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. We see him upset after some cage match. Um, mm-hmm. And Pettengill says the heart of the changing uh, tides in the company is a man who hates everything that you stand for, and. Here's a little bit of this. They say your ego is your enemy. What happened to you? There's only one solution. To awaken from this nightmare, you must defeat him. To regain your life and resume your legacy, you must make him beg for mercy as you squeeze the will from his bones. But what if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins? What becomes a Bret the Hitman heart then? Murder. <laughs> yes. Um yeah, so no, the build's great. I mean, I you know, kind of already talked. So this was not the match mm-hmm. coming, you know, this is not the planned match coming into the show, going into probably even 2 weeks, 3 weeks before the show. Okay. You know, because wrestle you know, the whole Sid, you know, dropping the belt back to Sean at the Rumble, you know, him kind of getting his win back from Sid, mm-hmm. conquering the monster. And then all that would be leading to the WrestleMania 12 rematch. They had the Iron Man match the year before. You know, Bret Hart was going to get his win back and take the belt off of Sean here. Yeah. You know, as the big, you know, you know, whatever. Like that, you know, that's the, the story that they've kind of been telling and anticipating. And as it's documented just about everywhere, if you want to hear about it, just look at, uh, I mean, the fights <laughs> backstage, the constant arguments. Oh, yeah. and, the Both WWE men, even made a DVD about it. You can watch yeah, an entire like three DVD set of just Sean versus Bret Hart yeah, moments and, and backstage tales. Absolutely. So, but anyways, this is the you know if you've ever heard about the Sean lost his smile, this was when Sean lost his smile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the lead up to all of this, which then sent things into a spiral. Sean relinquished the belt. Um, we now had a. Royal Rumble that Steve Austin won by in Monk's controversy. That then we had our fatal four match at the in your house, maybe fatal yeah. four way. 
that was supposed to determine who would fight Sean at WrestleMania for the belt, mm-hmm. which then turned into it being for the belt. So then, so this is how complicated things get. So Brett wins the Fatal 4-Way to become the champion. Okay. Sid had a contracted title match, rematch, the following night on Raw that he was supposed to get, which would have been probably against, uh, was, you know, against the winner of this fatal four way match. Yeah. Well, now that's for the title because Brett's the champion <laughs> and they give the belt back to Sid. Yeah. And so Brett held leads- it for one night. Yeah. Wow. And then that leads us to Sid fighting the Undertaker for eh, reasons. <laughs> like it's not great. Um, yeah. That's why when you watch the video later, there's not really much substance to it. No. They just kind of stared at each other a few times. Um, and then you did have the great fallback, though, as far as like Austin had been antagonizing Brett and causing Brett matches and had been a thorn in Brett's side. And, mm-hmm. you know, that goes back to the Survivor Series when Brett made his return after being gone since WrestleMania 12. And uh, so, you know, they they had this to fall back on, obviously, and we're all, you know, glad it happened because it's a great match. Yeah. yeah wow. Match. What a, you, you start to understand, though, why Brett like I know everybody, you know, oh, Brett, he just bitches moans, man, because. Bret Hart has a lot of reasons to bitch and moan. Like <laughs> he does, but then at the same time, like the, with the company playing up that element of his character here, it also then blurs the lines of like how much is it him trying yeah. to make you think that he bitches and moans all the time? Um, no, that's true. But you know, then he continued to do it through years and years after he left the company. But match number five is a submission match between Bret Hitman Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And this is the classic, like, actual glass-breaking entry of Steve Austin coming out. And the announcers, give, you know, mention how big the crowd response is as he comes through the uh, the entryway. Yeah, crowd's super hot, like, already, like, for this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Special guest referee, of course, is Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, making his debut. I mean, kind of entering debut. Uh, yeah. Steve also, like, this match is great from the entrances. Like, just go back and look at Steve Austin when he walks out, man. Mm-hmm. It's almost something I've never seen. Like, he is so intense. He is so <laughs> fired. Like, he looks like somebody that is walking into, like, the fight of their life, you know? Yeah. No, you're not wrong. It's, it's, it's amazing. Great. And I love also... And I don't think I don't know if this was planned or not, but Bret Hart even has something to complain about as the entryways, as when he comes out, the camera was too busy looking at Austin's broken glass on the floor and misses him walking through the the fucking curtain, and he like almost walks into the camera before the camera guy goes, oh, oh yeah, here comes Bret Hart too. <laughs> well, and they, I don't know, I think they were maybe going for a little something there because they make a mention though about like Bret would walk through broken glass for this opportunity to like uh, okay. take on Steve Austin. So I don't know if that was them trying to be artistic or what. Maybe. Um, yeah. So things are super intense, you know, before the bell, even Austin says there isn't a man alive that can make him say I quit. And uh, he's all over the hitman before the bell even rings. Yeah. He just attacks him right when he gets in the ring. Hart and Austin are trading punches on the ground before rolling outside. They continue to brawl on the floor. Austin gets shoved into the iron ring post which I made note of that Vince calls it an iron ring post and not mm-hmm. steel like everything else is nowadays. Um, That's right. Don't be silly. So this is iron, all right? <laughs> but very quickly, Austin gets back up, throws Hart into the barricade, crotching him, clotheslines him into the crowd, and this is where we get your ECW, let's take a tour yeah. into the crowd section. 
and they walk up, but the fans are fucking eating it oh. up. This is so over with this crowd as they just yeah. fight into yeah. the audience. Because again, we watch this, we're like, yeah, but they do that on SmackDown. You know, they do that on Raw. Yes. Like it's, it didn't happen. You know, what I mean, this wasn't. <laughs> The guys didn't go fighting through the stands. You know, it was, you know, this was kind of a big deal here. Um, they fight over the guardrail in front of Captain Lou, which I also cracked up about. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, the crowd, the fans are nuts, absolutely nuts. The security uh, team, though, are god awful. These guys are having to like split this crowd in two as they move through the area. But then, like, as they're making their way back, like up through, you start to see they're accumulating security guys, but they're all behind them. They're just yeah. following them. There's like seven security guards, but they're still having to like the ref. Ken Shamrock keeps having to like split people apart to let, allow room for them to walk ahead. I just don't think they even knew. I don't, I don't think they knew what to do. Like, I just feel like this is something yeah. that they were just unprepared for. That might be as the Brett, case. Yeah. Brett's in full control, pummeling Austin as they move deeper into the crowd. Uh, Hart would back body drop Steve into the, in the bleachers on the steps. Look kind of brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then fight their way back towards the ring. And Shamrock, on the other hand, is a fucking professional crowd controller. Dude. That yeah. dude just swims through people and pushes them <laughs> out of the fucking way. Like, yep. he goes into full, like, bouncer mode and is just <laughs> leading Hart and Austin back to the ring. It's kind of amazing. Oh, no, you're not wrong there. And then once, they, so Shamrock gets through there real quick and he gets back into the ringside. But then we see another guy that's like an agent or someone that's helping them. Do that. Is that Brooklyn Brawler that was helping them get back towards um, the ring? I'm not sure. I don't remember if I saw the guy. It looked a lot like him, but I wasn't sure if he, at this point he would have been in that role or if he would have still been trying right. to be the Brooklyn Brawler. Um, uh, no. <laughs> so Brett throws Stone Cold back into ringside. Austin, however, as soon as he gets into, you know, next to the ring, the Irish whips and throws Brett into the stairs. Austin then dives into a forearm hit for the hitman. And then I just have here, Brett kicks him and Austin falls backwards, but it's like very cartoonish looking to me, the way that Austin uh, falls with this stairs in his hand. Well, because though, if you watch too, what happens is that his knee gets caught and oh, like, it's, okay. it's, it's ugly looking. Like it looks like, damn, he could have like really fucked it. Cause like he goes to start falling backwards and then one of his feet are like caught in between something and it like doesn't, it's not going down with him. And like, gotcha. it's kind of like a little bit of a scary moment for a second there. Um, they move back into the ring. Um, and, uh, Brett hits a swinging neck breaker. Mm-hmm. Hart then hits the precision elbow from the second rope. Stretches the knee of Austin and drops down across it on the second rope. Hart then with elbow drops to the inside of Austin's leg. And uh, Austin would hit a desperation Stone Cold Stunner literally just to stop Bret Hart from attacking his knee. Like he has no wherewithal to do anything afterwards, but it stops the pain for a minute. Just before that, he had also like in the middle of selling his knee, popped onto his foot so he could double bird the fucking referee when he was asking <laughs> if he quit or not and then went back down and then like you said hit the stunner out of nowhere uh uses the time to try to recover some feeling in his lower leg brett does the figure four against the ring post and the Oof. fans are losing as austin's wailing in pain i'm like so there's no dq or rope break well hold that because <laughs> there's going to be a rope break in a minute but brett throws stone cold back inside goes and gets the ring bell and a folding chair, and almost, but he almost grabs one of the premium front row chairs, and like I, f- I feel like Vince even says, "Not the premium chair." <laughs> he picks up a different chair real quick. Yeah, well, damn it, they paid for that chair. Um, yeah, Brett would wrap it around the ankle of Stone Cold, 
He then goes up top, but Steve caught him with the chair shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin now with the chair shot to the back of Bret Hart. Again, you didn't get chair shots in matches. Like, this is yeah. hard to express, like, how revolutionary this is. The fans Steve, are going were, nuts oh, for these yeah, chair shots. For a shot to the back. Now people wear chairs out over the backs of people, you know? <laughs> um, Austin with a slam followed by a hard whip into the corner. The only, like, only Bret can do. Um, hard, I mean, Austin then with a suplex. Goes to the second rope, hits an elbow drop of his own. We get a Russian leg sweep from Stone Cold. And then Austin would apply a submission. I, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate the uh, innovation here. It's, not, it's it's like the octopus, but he's just laying kinda. on the ground while he does it. Yeah, kind of. It's, it's something. You know, I, I liked it. We also um, saw, is it Brett's daughter crying? Someone that's related to Brett is crying. And the king says, no, she was just instructed to cover that ugly face. <laughs> Good it's God. Like, it is kind of funny. But yeah, no, that, I guess that's who it was. Yeah, they show a crying child. They mention the Hart family can't watch. Um, Steve with a Boston Crab on Brett now. And the hate for the Boston Crab, I just, I never realized how strong it was throughout <laughs> history because Jim Ross is like, very simple, very elementary hold here yes. in Boston. It was like, like, man, people just really hate the Boston Crab. And Brett gets a rope break. Yeah, you're right. I was like, what happened to the fucking ring post earlier? But uh, Stone Cold then mockingly looks for the sharpshooter, but Brett mm-hmm. pokes him in the eye to stop it. Well, Keep that in Steve mind. Also, yep. Good. Yep. Steve also did the classic. His first step, he already was doing it wrong. Yes. So it was probably for the best that <laughs> uh, Brett did that. I will say for the rope break thing, and I don't know if the commentary gives this excuse or if they just act like it didn't happen. Remember, it's Ken Shamrock, and he has, no, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He just simply probably doesn't didn't know the rules or had to be reminded Makes of the sense. rules, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, the sharpshooter from Austin is blocked. Steve sides sidesteps Brett. He's from you say and sends him through the ropes. Crowd is nuts, mm-hmm. just nuts. Um, Hart whips Steve into the cameraman and the timekeeper area. And this is another kind of fun story from this WrestleMania and this happening here with the bleeding of Steve Austin, which would go on to be a T-shirt. Blood from a stone, absolutely one of the biggest yeah. kind of moments in his career. There was a no blading policy in the WWE at this point, and strict rules to not bleed at all. Like yeah. there was just no blading, no bleeding, huh. not in this company. It's not you know they don't do that here. Uh huh. And not only did Steve blade here, but he did it <laughs> feet away from the chairman, and they still managed. To convince him that it was hard. I was going to say, because like, I feel like the, the story, at least for a while at the time, was that this, yeah, it was an accident. That there was no, he wasn't intending to bleed. Right. No, absolutely was not hard way. But <laughs> Steve did a great job with the placement of the cut. Yeah. And they did, I mean, it was ugly. They made sure it was a chaotic scene with the timekeeper and the mm-hmm. cameraman. And his head did kind of go in between the guardrail stuff. So, yeah. No, yeah. Great, great just, job here. As he's bleeding and getting back up, though, the king shouting at there, McMahon, there's blood all over me. And it's just like, <laughs> yep, all right. Uh, Hart throws him into the ring, and Brett begins targeting the head of Stone Cold, just merciless, right at that bleeding head. JR says Hart's trying to erase what happened last year. Brett grabs the chair, begins attacking the injured leg of Austin, and the fans are not happy with that. That's when I felt like the crowd kind of started to turn yep. on Brett Hart here is with the chair. He, it's the bleeding as well. I mean, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's a very sympathetic look. Oh, yeah, for sure. Brett wants the sharpshooter, but Stone Cold, 
remembered what happened when he tried the sharpshooter and fucking pokes the eye of Brett to counter out of it. And I was like, that is awesome. I love that connection that Brett was forced to give away the fucking counter to his own move <laughs> when Stone Cold tried it earlier. It's the only counter. Um, Hart <laughs> would beat Austin down in the corner. Steve, though, would catch the hitman with a low blow, and that would drop Brett. Steve then sends Hart into the corner, sternum first, crashes down to the mat. Austin with kicks and stomps, and, you know, doing the old mud hole routine before it was the mud hole routine. Um, Austin then sat Brett on the top rope and followed up with a textbook super superplex. <laughs> Real um, quick, just before he did the, the stomp in the mud hole, there was a mm-hmm. low blow that Stone Cold hit to Brett. And Vince, mm-hmm. the first man in the world to fully turn on Bret Hart, that kick was probably deserved. <laughs> was like, what? Yeah, he wasn't hiding it at this point. Um, we're going to take the violence up another notch. I know, I'm pretty sure when Pritchard talked about this show, this was not, Vince was not a fan of this. The, the Steve, microphone Steve, cable? Yeah, Steve would go and get microphone cable and wrap it around the throat of Bret Hart, choking him from behind. Again, something we see on fucking TV nowadays, but, yeah. you know. Because it is brutal. I mean, you know, if you really kind of think about the imagery and like mm-hmm. the look of that, it is kind of vicious. Hart, though, would use the ring bell to escape. Just beautiful stuff there. Um, Hart applies the sharpshooter on Austin and thus begins the battle. <laughs> um, Steve would push back at one point, um, kind of relieving the tension from his back and his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hart held on to the hold itself and um, would eventually, you know, basically get the Apply the pressure once again on Austin, who would eventually pass out from the pain and the loss of blood, um, all while fighting for a rope break, but not to be. Bret Hart is your winner by KO, I suppose. Yeah, referee stoppage. Yeah, referee stoppage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dude, this, this is every bit of the five-star match that you've been told that it was. Mm-hmm. It is fucking fantastic. Like, I got so wrapped up in this match. I thought it, it's one of those that just pulls me in each time that I watch it, even though I know what's going to fucking happen. By right. the end of this, they're showing shots of the fucking ring after they all leave, and there's, like, there's still pools that haven't oh. fucking soaked in. Like, it is fucking gross. It's so much blood. So much blood. Um, no, it is, you know, I don't know if it's my favorite match. I'm not trying to say it has to be your... I'm just saying that this is an absolutely perfect match yeah like it doesn't have to be your favorite match but you can't watch this and say that it isn't nothing short of textbook when it comes to just like a professional wrestling match it's not too long mm-hmm. it doesn't feature 64 kickouts it never stays too long in one place it you know it moves outside it comes yeah. back inside you know, it, you know, Brett gets the advantage. Austin gets the advantage. The storytelling makes sense, like you mentioned, especially with the eye rake on the sharpshooter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just if you are if you teach professional wrestling, I think this would be on the list of matches that you know every student should watch. Oh, absolutely. And this is <laughs> Jim Ross with the understatement of the year afterwards. Well, this is going to be a tough match to follow. As they're both oh, laying boy. down. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, folks, turn off the show. Yep. Turn it off. Nothing nothing There's good from here on out. To, to nothing left to see. Um, <laughs> the announcers want a doctor to help Austin. Vince is doing the, God, help out there. Come on. Um, and Hart what? goes right back after the knee. Again, this is, if you didn't get it, we're going to yes. punch it home. 
Brett attacked the knee after the match. Um, this would lead to a confrontation with Ken Shamrock, who tosses him to the mat. Um, and, I mean, boom. Like, at that moment, it's just like, that's oh. it. He's the biggest and, heel in the company. And the crowd is so excited to watch Shamrock versus Bret Hart down the line already. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were so into those two facing off. Yep. Big deal there. And then I don't know if you saw this, but do we get uh, – I think it's one of the cl- first times it's really clear you see Colt Cabana – at, uh, oh, okay. Along the guardrail on the entranceway with his ECW T-shirt on and a middle finger for Bret Hart as he walks up Wait, the ramp. So is he the one that Bret screams "fuck you" to when when he was being flipped off by him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cabana has posted the picture, but like you can see him clear as day from a few times after this because he's also really into the, the LOD match. Oh, okay, and is like I also think Cabana might be the person. There's a few entrances throughout this show where they, everybody where they get like the angry like turn because somebody like mm-hmm. really grabbed them as they were walking by and i swear <laughs> it's in that same area um but i'm not sure if it was him oh <laughs> yeah exactly yeah heart's not happy about it um austin refused you know yeah he you know, kicks that, the ref that. off and then hits him with a stunner yep crowd's now chanting austin um and now just discuss the match and steve's toughness and vince it's like i i think he's probably in character here, mm-hmm. but it's also hard to say because I do know that he was not thrilled with some aspects of that match because Vince is like apologetic. Like, well, we are, we were not proud to show you that match and like <laughs> kind of like shits all over it. I didn't, I didn't necessarily get that from that, but I understand what you're saying. Um, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like it during the close ups of the blood afterwards mm-hmm. when they're talking about how bad it got. Yeah. Yep. So probably in character, but I do know that he was a little bit uncomfortable with the violence. For so. sure. But we uh, go- JR says the ref did the right thing, which Austin would disagree with. Well, King says no. He King's upset that the ref stopped it. Jim Ross is like, well, I'm disappointed, but it's understandable. We now go to Todd Pettengale, who I've never seen a interview that has so many people in it that lasted as short as it does. This is <laughs> so unnecessary. Oh. Uh. Yeah, he's with the Nation of Domination with Farouk, PG-13, Crush, the whole nation's there. We're told that they have two-by-fours, all kinds of weapons, and then I I don't have any other notes. I think it just ends right after that. Because Todd talks, it's, have you ever been like with a reporter that spends five minutes asking a question and gets Mm -hmm. a 10-second answer? It's like Todd says everything, sets the stage, tells the story, describes the weapons, (laughs) and then like literally goes to Farouk, who's like, uh, just says, uh, those punks are going to get what's coming to them. And that was pretty much the interview. Yep. So, oh. That takes us to match number six. It's a Chicago street fight. The Nation of Domination, uh, represented in the match by Farouk, Crush, and Savio Vega, taking on Ahmed Johnson and his recently returned surprise partners, the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. Yeah. Who in Chicago, this is probably one of the last like actual road warrior Pops. Yeah, no, this is a good this is a good one. Um <laughs> so yeah, Tony's favorite entry for Farouk here as he comes out ah. being wrapped to the ring by PG thirteen, who have who have gotten the act down much better since the ninety seven <laughs> rumble that we reviewed. <laughs> I mean listen, you know, that stuff's hard. Um no, I just love the presentation. It's just it's big, it feels intimidating, it feels like it could take you know what I mean? Like there's a real possibility of like takeover kind of situation. But that's literally never what's discussed because the commentary team will always talk nonsense over every nation of domination entrance. Yeah. I like, just shut up. Mm-hmm. 
They're well, rapping. <laughs> like, anyways. So yeah, they they get in the ring. They salute together. One nation under Farouk. No justice for anyone. And then they promote. We promote next year's WrestleMania, which will be in the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts. And Vince is like, tickets are not on sale. Please don't call about tickets. I have to imagine that, that means that those places must get thousands of calls probably <laughs> after the announcement of where the place is going to be. Oh, so Ahmed Johnson with the LOD shoulder plat shoulder pads does look pretty good. I will say yep. like they, they fit together well here. Mm-hmm. Um, PG 13 run in at the beginning of this and are immediately gorilla press slammed. <laughs> Clarence Mason gets hit off the apron and this battle is underway. Well, I did like that. They kind of made a point at the beginning of this match to, eliminate the nation people. Yes. Because otherwise, why wouldn't they just continue to be in the match the whole time? (laughs) Yeah. You know, why wouldn't it it just be like six on three or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. No, you're not wrong there. That's a good, a good way to get rid of them real quick. Uh, But yeah, we're brawling. Ahmed slams crush and he rolls out of the ring. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, with press slam. D'Lo's also taken out by Ahmed. Um, You can see Cabana throwing a fist from the front row at this point when they go near the guardrail. Um, Ahmed did a flip over the guardrail, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Animal then takes Farouk down with a trash can. Ahmed beats on Crush. Hawk has a two-by-four in the ring, and Savio is running for his life. <laughs> Hawk, the first swing of that two-by-four, he cracks the turnbuckle, and it bounces way up in the air, and then Hawk catches it and like looks around like he's expecting the crowd to be excited, but there's too much chaos going on. Yeah. No one's paying attention. Yeah, nobody <laughs> noticed, unfortunately. Um, Animal hits a pile driver on Farouk, but they fell off the table. It was chaos. Yeah, that, that French announce table point. was not breaking for that one. It was just chaos. I will give this match credit. Like it, this feels like a Dudley Boy's main event of an ECW pay per view kind of a match. Just nothing good happens. They just fight around <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, there's some idiot man cow fans that try to unfurl a giant sign, but the security grabs them and has it pulled down before you can read like anything almost uh good fire extinguisher spot it's just oh. a nonsense brawl so far with these six but the fire extinguishers in this match yeah. i don't think i've ever seen the use of a fire here's, extinguisher so much in a match here's the thing i am almost sure that they had a gimmick fire extinguisher and they had a real one by accident that gets put into spot this early spot because this first yep. one they start blowing it it doesn't dissipate it stays no. there, and there's a cloud. And listening to the announcers is amazing. Take mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. Oh no! Not again! The fire extinguisher used again. <laughs> well, it's a hell of a place to set if you got asthma. So these guys are like hacking up the fucking lung. Everyone at ringside has cancer now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably those pre like regulation fire extinguishers. Who knows what's in that thing? Oh goodness. Yeah. Cause it is just and once that's done, that side of the ring, just there's a white powder over everything. Yep. Like someone pulled yep. out the real fire extinguisher and accidentally used it in this match. Ugh. so bad. Uh, Savio with a trash can drops Ahmed Johnson. Uh, Farouk tosses Ahmed out of the ring. Hawk then puts a trash can on the head of Savio, and that's the last thing I have in my notes because that wasn't apparently interesting enough for those directing the show because I don't know 
what happened after he put the trash can on the head of Savio. Yeah, I missed the I missed the rest of the trash can spot. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, understandably so. Ahmed and Farouk are fighting on the floor, and Ahmed Johnson slams Farouk through the table on the outside. It actually looked pretty cool. Did you skip like, the noose spot? No, have we, not we haven't gotten, gotten there okay. yet. That's Sorry, my good. notes jumped a bunch after the extinguisher. Keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ahmed <laughs> slams Farouk through the table. It looked cool. The table broke. The monitors, like, fell oh. in on him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Animal now with a trash can. Uh, to the back of Savio Vega, who literally, I think, just gets beaten up by the Road Warriors in this match. Um, now we get our second fire extinguisher spot as this, it gets sprayed again. This is where the audio came from right here. Is, ah, okay. That's why they were like, again, the fire extinguisher. Because they also, like, they use it, and then they, like, chase them around the ring back near the announce team. Yes. Like, they weren't near the announce team, and they made a point of, like, walking all the way around there. I think like. that's why Jim Ross was so upset. <laughs> and now... We get the noose. See, sorry, I was a fire extinguisher oh. spot ahead of you. That's why I had some extra notes there. Gotcha. Yeah. So we Savio get, uh, grabs a noose, puts it around the neck of Ahmed Johnson, and okay, whatever. You know, you want to talk about the imagery there of a black man in, in a noose, whatever. Yeah. But as far as just the match goes, Ahmed is the last person you want selling choking. He is terrible. He just lays <laughs> here. It never looks it's the slightest bit real. It is one right. of the worst like choking spots I've ever seen in my life. Crush yeah. does the whole grab the head and fall to the floor thing, pulling them up on the end of the top rope. Um, and he hits Hawk with it, and Hawk just like slowly turns around and falls down. We get another bad spot with the noose that doesn't look good. The nation is outnumbering the others. Hawk pulls him off the apron, and it's at this point that I just have this match has fallen to nonsense for me. I am not oh, a fan yeah. of this. Um, yeah. it doesn't feel like anyone's doing anything. Um, Hawk has the fire extinguisher again. And this time he he sprays it and he's chasing someone. And I'm like, hold on. That yeah, thing crush. is dissipating very quickly. And then he sprays it in the air and just disappears. I'm like, oh, this is a gimmick fire extinguisher. And you can hear the announcers realize that. I just love God not again, and then you hear him go. Wait, that one's a oh, and then they just they just move on. <laughs> this this match because we're at the point that you talked about, like how it just kind of like runs out of steam. It feels like they were out of shit to do, and then someone's like, oh wait, we haven't used that gimmick fire extinguisher yet. <laughs> so they finally tell Hawk to go use the damn thing because then after that, this match it's like they run out of time because yeah. it's just. The nation are on the ring attacking Ahmed, and then boom, Doomsday device on Crush out of nowhere, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then Ahmed and Hawk hit Crush with a two by four. Again, I I hate wrestling matches with the finish of the match being less impressive than the move that just happened before it. Yep. Because it's also a terrible shot with the two by four. Oh, they they try to clothesline him, and it just looks bad. Yeah, this feels like a ref going, "Go home, go home, go home!" Like you guys are out yep. of time. And it, yeah, it falls apart. Yeah. I mean, your winners are the right team, I guess. Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of Doom. But this match was, uh, the nation just run in to attack. Ahmed then hits the Pearl River plunge on D-Lo. PG-13 yeah. take bumps from the Legion of Doom. They get a well, big double that. Doomsday yeah. device. Yeah, like the three-man Doomsday device was kind of cool. I did like that. So, but yeah, what a sloppy mess. Although also probably... Not a bad option after the Austin Brett match. 
I mean, you know, yeah, I guess <laughs> it would have been. Well, it would have been hard for like Hunter and Goldust to go out there. Yeah, and you know, even as good as they are, because I don't know that just this was at least something the crowd could kind of like meh. You know what I yeah, mean? Like for sure, eh, they hit. They're hitting each other with stuff. That's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't completely. You know, yeah, it's not just complete silence. At least, right. We get a promo once again for the upcoming in your house, but then. Here comes the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. He's just I, a sexy boy, not your boy oh, toy. I just, I just envisioned Bret Hart standing <laughs> at the curtain, peeking through it, just with smoke coming out of his ears as he watches this man, who, mind you, folks, has retired or is, you know, not wrestling because of a knee injury. Yeah. Now, sexy boy struts he, his ass to the ring. He doesn't dance until he gets in the ring. Because I will say, like, when because when you described this to me before, I was expecting him coming out like doing the shoulder thing. But he yeah, just comes right. out slapping hands with the fans. Now he does want the fans to grab and pull on him as much as possible. Because anybody that does that, he goes over towards them more. Yeah. So which which is such an odd. <laughs> thing because i would imagine yes. the opposite but anyway but yeah but then as soon as he gets in the ring that's when all of a sudden it's you know dancing posing sean michaels and it's just like that was just like it felt like such a reveal of look at what i just got away with and now i'm oh, gonna go man. stand at rings because he also gets pyro and king is like give him give, yeah. give me a break he's not even Listen, wrestling bret hart and you'll understand this bret hart or i'm sorry sean michaels is the ultimate younger sibling that not only gets away with everything, mm -hmm. but is so good at it. They get to like laugh at you to your face <laughs> while they're getting away with yes. it, you know? Yep. And that, man, and yeah, two years of that with Brett here and Brett and Sean. So. Well, cause you know, the crowd's eating it up. They're loving oh, yeah. Shawn Michaels yeah. and the King is like, you have to remember this is Chicago, a bunch of idiots right. love Shawn Michaels. They're, they're idiots here. Like that's, that's well, all. And another one of the biggest issues that Bret Hart also had to deal with in this era is so he's getting away with everything. He's laughing in your face. Vince is in love with him. Yeah. He can do nothing wrong. And the fans have kind of turned on you. Like <laughs> Bret leaned into yeah. like the bitching and moaning. Like you're everyone's trying to screw me. Mm -hmm. But it was really as the fans had kind of, they were just kind of done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he leaned into it, but it wasn't necessarily all by design. They started cheering Sean no matter what he did. Yep. And Brett was just the guy that was every week like, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> like, I'm oh a good guy. Like, uh, why won't you just love me? Like, it's, yep. you know, it's a, it's a pretty amazing character, really. It, it is an amazing time. It's, it's kind of wild. Um, yeah. But just before we can get to the actual match, we send backstage to Todd Pettengill with Sid Vicious, oh, Psycho man. Sid, um, and he says only one person is not scared of the darkness, me. <laughs> yeah. The Undertaker. Todd Pettengill, you are right, my friend. WrestleMania is the biggest event of the, of the world, and it comes once a year. <laughs> but the night when darkness falls... Every man, woman, and child will be scared, except for one person. Only 
one person is not scared of the darkness and one person is not scared of the undertaker and that is me my friend in the game we play i am the master and i am the ruler of the world so there you go I just, again, you just gotta love Sid. It's like ninety five percent great, but he like can't yeah. help but stumble even on his WrestleMania like pre taped <laughs> interview. Um, I just <laughs> it Sid is also a great. I love that Todd Pettengale takes again a lot of time asking him a question. Mm-hmm. I don't think Sid even. I guess he does acknowledge it because it's like he doesn't give a shit what you just said. Like it is. <laughs> he calls like, him Hogan, his friend, but he doesn't. Yeah, yeah the same thing. Like Hogan, Mean Gene. Like Mean Gene could ask some <laughs> long-winded question. It's like Hogan wasn't listening and is just yes. going to go on and on about whatever the hell he wants to. Well, it turns out that we were driving our Harleys across the Davidson Bridge the other day. and Yeah, no. Uh, I flew on an eagle's back and we dropped bombs on Saddam Hussein. <laughs> you know, like whatever the hell he's like talking oh, about. Oh, God. So, yeah, that finally brings us to our main event of the evening. That's right. Stone Cold versus Bret Hart took place in the middle of this mat, this card. And well, thank tonight, God for everyone involved. In our main event, we've got WWF Championship on the line as The Undertaker challenges against your champion, Psycho Sid. Yeah. I mean, listen, this was the... When all those fails, you just go to like the, you know your safety net, basically. And it's yeah. like, well, The Undertaker. Everyone likes The Undertaker. But, you know, it's like... <laughs> This is about yeah, the best we can. This is about the best we can do. The Undertaker, and we know that there are no tournaments taking place in March with softball, so we can, we can get Sid to be here. Um, <laughs> Shit, this is about the end of Sid, really. Yeah. So Sean gets on the mic with the announce team. He says, "Tonight is the time to take a walk on the dark side." He calls that the Undertaker has all the momentum coming in, and he's going to walk away with the championship. Just another just beautiful move by Shawn Michaels on this night is that this is also like watch the Raws and the lead ups and like some of these, you know, we've talked about bad Shawn. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can yeah. see it in his face and in his eyes and in his demeanor and how he. Yeah, this is fucking perfect Shawn. This is <laughs> clean as a whistle. He is great on commentary during this match. Yeah. He doesn't take any pot shots at Brett. And when he does, they're very well placed. Like, yeah, that's another just thing that has to like dig it. Like, this is Sean at his absolute best. You know, like he is <laughs> doing as great a job as he can tonight. Oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Best behavior. <laughs> I did like that. Sean explains that Sid had the momentum until the Slammy Awards when we watched the Undertaker walk to the stage over and over and over again and accept multiple Slammies. And I was just like, I want the image of the Undertaker like trying to hold like eight Slammy Awards in his hands, like oh, I yeah. won so much with a big old smile on his face. Uh, you know, guys, I, I don't even really know what to say at this point. Uh, <laughs> this is just so great. Um, yeah, so Sean says he's just here to watch and wants to feel like a kid again. I mean, he is just on point. King can't corner him. He's got an answer <laughs> for everything. It's just amazing. But here comes Bret Hart. God. Why? <laughs> no one knows. Yeah, they got to fuel the dirt sheets. Oh, Bret gets in the ring, and Michael says, imagine that, Bret being resentful of not being in the main event. And he says, I find that hard to believe. And then Bret gets on a mic and starts talking about Sean. 
Take a listen. Sean, what's this? Sean, yo. First of all, you phony little faker. Why don't you all right, take all right, your little pussyfoot injury? No, no, no. <laughs> right. no, no. I'm not going anywhere. And go no. back and find no. your smile, but whatever you do, stay out of this match. I'm so scared. Whatever for you. Fucking Vince McMahon hovering over Shawn Michaels going, no, 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 no. It made me laugh. So- I had to stop and rewatch this like four <laughs> times. It is like, amazing. The thing, the thing about it is, is like you give them credit for this being some great work or that is literally Vince like son of a bitch. Like <laughs> These two are going to just start clawing at each other <laughs> during my main event. And I'm not going to be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because that's how tensious, you know, the tension was real. Oh, I mean, well, that's the thing is, you know, you could have planned for Brett to come out and interrupt this match, but you might not have planned for Sean to dance in the ring, and that you know that that pissed off Bret Hart. So you, then he comes out and immediately starts talking about Sean. That very much could be, but like you said, or it's all a work. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Either way, yeah. it was fantastic. I loved oh. this this moment. All the while, your main event is drowning. Yes. Like, no one's even out here yelling at Sid or the Undertaker. <laughs> I think Brett yeah. does like give them closing he, remarks, but he turns and tells the Undertaker, "Our friendship ended when you slammed that cage door on my head." And then he says to Sid, "You're a fraud, and that belt belongs to me." <laughs> he goes, "You all know I'm the best," and immediately Sid just grabs him and power bombs him. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Jesus. And Sid I mean, gets the mic yeah. and says, you take your wired ass out of here. I think he said whining ass, but it sounded yeah. like wired ass. No, that's not surprising. Yeah, exactly. So we got our Shawn Michaels Bret Hart main event to some degree. Um, <laughs> I guess. So now, that that, so now that that's out of the way. Like, um, but the the treatment of the Bret Hart character, though, like if you want to talk about like the real life Bret Hart and his grievances, you watch this Bret Hart character come out here. He takes the powerbomb from Sid. They roll his lifeless body out of the match, and the fucking bell rings to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also like, that's not who I would have had lay Bret out either. <clears throat> yeah. Because Undertaker's your baby face, but, you know, whatever. Oh. People pretty much like Sid no matter what. It doesn't matter what he does, actually. That's um, true. Yeah, but the Undertaker also attacks Sid from behind. Uh, as he was still cutting a promo on Brett. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a boot up in the corner as Sid was charging in. Taker then delivers a splash in the opposite corner, followed by a slam for a two. Taker with the, uh, well, I mean, wasn't necessarily old school at this point, but uh, you know, walks the top rope before delivering a sledge to the shoulder of Sid. Uh, splashed in the corner again for the Undertaker. This time, though, was caught. And, oh, man, this crowd, if you weren't already excited about this main event, it's bear hug time <laughs> a long fucking bear hug from Jesus. Sid man the uh, thing about it is like we love the meat matches you know you love the bigs colliding and you know they can be great like it can be yeah. done well and you know you can have just amazing matchups and you can do the bear hug thing because it's a big guy move but yeah matches with big men that maybe aren't quite as athletic as some of our more fond examples this is death because yeah. it's like you don't really have anything after this that anyone's looking forward to. No. And you have the Undertaker character who right. doesn't sell bear hugs. Right. He just right. lays there. Like, so we get Sean. He plays dead. 
saying that he might like to do this job over being in the ring. He doesn't think he even wants to go back into there. And King says, over my dead body. And this is when Sean says, well, at least I was willing to get in the ring and take moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a good one. That's a low blow. Well, it just um, made me laugh, though, because it also then continues this weird fiction of the WWF world where Jim or Jerry the King Lawler is not a wrestler or ever was a wrestler. <laughs> uh, well, that is a debate. Um, Taker escapes. You know, oh, thank God. Well, no, Sid just lets go and then yeah, just he applies it again. Let's go, punches him in the front, punches him in the back, and then puts on a bear hug again. And then a third time. Yeah. I was just like, what are we doing here, man? Right. Things pick up a little bit. Uh, Taker is clotheslined over the top rope, but he lands on his feet because he's the Undertaker, and he pulls Sid to the outside with him. And uh, we get Taker's then sent over the Spanish announce table. Um, you know, the early stages of that happening very frequently. Uh, Sid would then drop the Undertaker throat first across the guardrail, and then slams him on the announce table, but it didn't break. Did, did you see the lady? Very kindly, like from the second row, reach up and rub the arm of the Undertaker as he was laying there after the first hit of the barricade. No, I missed that. I'm sure it was very important to her, though. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Sid lifts, runs Taker into the ring posts. Michael says the biggest losers of the night have been the tables of the WWF. Uh, Sid sits into a Steiner recliner. Or Jesus. Camel Clutch, I think, whatever. Uh, right, power Slam yep. by Sid gets a two count. And then a second one, Jim Ross says the repeated attempts at the two count are smart, by the way, Tony. Yeah, okay. Because we get that spot a lot right here where he just keeps trying to cover and it just keeps getting a two count. HBK responds, I don't know, if you don't get him on the first time, I think it's just time to beat on him some more. So he's <laughs> right. on your side. Yeah, uh, Taker turns the tide with a big clothesline, and both men are down on the mat. Taker then sends Psycho Sid to the floor and over the guardrail. They brawl on the floor, and Taker slams Sid into the steel steps, uh, but he misses an elbow drop, and Sid applies a chin lock. This is back in the ring. Sid now applies a chin lock. Uh, Taker escapes finally, and you're like, oh, okay, thank God. Now things are going to pick up, right? <laughs> no, no, now it's time. <laughs> For the trapezius hold. Oh, when it was like, now it's Undertaker's turn to go through the entire sequence we just saw Sid go through of his offensive maneuvers. We'll start off with the long rest hold. And we go straight to this nerve hold and watch fucking Sid grimace for a little while. He's a good grimacer. I'll give he him is, that. He is. But how is this your main event? Jesus. Uh, Taker, oh, this is not good. Eventually, after you know getting out of it, he catches a kick attempt and hits a clothesline to put Sid back down. Double big boot. Both men go down. Listen, I do love me a double big boot. But, you don't see those often, man. But here, after these two long rest holds, and the crowd <laughs> oh, is just well, yeah. sitting no. there just watching. Like, no reaction to the double no. big boot. Um, no. Sid climbs to Brett's rope, waits, hits the diving double axe handle to take her to knock him down. Michaels yeah. and Vince put over how great Taker is, saying he may have a black heart, but it's a big heart, and Michael says he has he's a class act. And I was like, these Wait, are weird comments about the Undertaker, guys. Well, I, I kind of appreciate it from Sean, but he's like pulling back the curtain a little bit a few yes. times when he's talking about the Undertaker. Yes. You know, like 
he does no one more deserves this more like this chance more and like mm-hmm. such a great guy i think he like calls him a great guy at some point or something like would you shut up this zombie uh, is a fantastic man <laughs> right uh taker fires up again no sid cuts it off with an eye rake followed by a slam we get the taker sit up and the sid goes up top which you know is not good because that doesn't happen often taker cuts him off sid's racked on the top turnbuckle he then slams him off the mat, off the top to the mat. Taker now goes up top, hits the diving clothesline, covers, but only gets a two count. But he then signals for the end, the old throat slash. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't work. Stid slips out of the tombstone <laughs> and hits one of his own, for God's sakes. Yeah. But again, only gets a near fall. I'm sure that I love scared, the shit, scared the shit out of the Undertaker. Sid putting on the cross arm pin because he looks at the crowd and does it and they go nuts as soon as he does it. I, I thought that was a good moment. Um, There's another urban legend, perhaps somewhat confirmed about one psycho Sid sharding himself <laughs> during, during this, this match? match. Oh, goodness. This I is that match. This. Okay. When and is that apparently, I don't know how confirmed it's been, but I'm pretty sure even Pritchard just kind of made some reference about, uh, yeah, Mark wasn't real thrilled about that tombstone at the end. <laughs> at that point, yeah. So I don't know. I can't. I, uh, and I, I think someone's gone back and even shown like the move it happens on. It's like a slam okay. or something. Good things happen when you live on fucking protein shakes. And <laughs> <laughs> After Taker kicks out of the tombstone, here comes Bret Hart. <laughs> And yeah. he hits Sid with a chair and then hits him again. And then Pat Patterson pulls him away as Vince says, what a loser Bret Hart has turned out to be. <laughs> yeah, you get actually both Stooges, Pat and Gerald Briscoe are both there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taker then ran Sid's back into the ring post, into the ring. Taker hits the choke slam for a two. I like they went for the pin there. That was a good moment with the crowd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you get on the choke slam and then just waiting for the tombstone, but that was good. Uh, Bret again causes a distraction and the undertaker hits sid with the tombstone for the one two three your winner the undertaker yeah what was the weird miscommunication though that resulted in undertaker just throwing himself over top of sid as they were like flying back and forth off the ropes it was just a weird i don't remember what exactly happened but i was i can't figure out what just happened here undertaker just went flying it was right before sid went for the power bomb um, okay, yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, Brett stunned Sid onto the ropes, which he fell into the arms of the Taker, who hit the tombstone, and he's your winner. And new WWF champion, and still undefeated at WrestleMania, The Undertaker. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, cool moment here for The Undertaker, standing victorious as the champion at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get replays. And, and he's he's, oh. he's lifting the belt, and he's pure baby face as he points to the crowd and says, this is for you. And he points to the other side. He goes, "This is for you." And he do, he does all four sides. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, Brett and Sean don't fight with each other, unfortunately. No. Vince says the most phenomenal athlete to step into a WWF ring is finally the champion. Sean says he's met a lot of men who have held that belt undeservedly, but <clears throat> this man deserves it. <laughs> and, and it's like the thing about Sean at that point is like you know there haven't been that many. WWF champions at this point. Like, who are you talking about specifically here? Oh, Vince says this capacity crowd came here and witnessed the changing of the guard, and then then the show just cuts off. He doesn't even say goodbye; it just fucking ends. And yeah. overall, I thought I really kind of like this WrestleMania. I understand 
where people have complaints about specific elements of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but man, that main match was really fun. And then like the ending of that match in the main event, I, I liked it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly not all, uh, <laughs> not all perfect by any means, you know, by any means, but you know, you have an absolute great match in the middle with two all time, you know, greats. And then the star power itself is, you know, pretty good in the main event. Yeah. No, it doesn't feel like a main event. Um, it feels like you really just like should have readjusted a lot of the where these matches were, but um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so as far as second opinions, Tony, would you like to compare some star ratings here? Sure, let's do it. Now, <laughs> apparently, wait, hold on here. Okay, we've got four way elimination match. What'd uh-huh. you give it? Um, I gave that match, and it's mostly. F- once it became the headbangers and the Godwins, I gave it one star. That seems fair. Dave Meltzer really hated this match. Minus 1.5 stars. Wow. All right. That seems a bit Meltzer. harsh. Also, I learned that Billy Gunn versus Flash Funk was the dark match, apparently. Well, how about that? So we missed out on that. Uh, Rocky Maivia versus the Sultan. Um, You know, listen, it was a very standard kind of baby phase battling the monster type of match. Rocky looked pretty good here. I gave it one and a half stars. One and a half seems pretty fair. Dave Meltzer pretty close to that 1.25 stars on that. Um, yeah. It's a weird match, but it, <laughs> I, I, I love the, po- the post-match stuff. Uh, right. Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Goldust. Uh, one of the early kind of show stealers here, um, you know, standouts on the uh, undercard. I gave it three and a quarter stars. Ooh. You gave it one star more than Dave Meltzer. He had two and a quarter stars on that one. Okay. All right. That's his opinion. But yeah, no, I agree with you. This was one of the early matches <laughs> that I enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. Owen Hart and the Bulldog versus Mankind Invader. Man, a really fun match that just had a really unfortunate ending. Uh, I still gave it two and a half stars. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Right on the money for Dave Meltzer was at 2.5 stars. Nice. Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. Uh, you know, listen, this match gets all the stars. I, I, just, I just don't go over five because it gets hard to distinguish things at that point. Mm-hmm. But this is an absolute five-star plus match. Absolutely. I total agreement there. Yeah, if you're, if you're doing the, like, now expanded star universe right. ratings, you would have to go above five. But, no, this was back when Dave Meltzer was still in his strict five-star phase, and so he gave us ah. five. Um, okay. There you go. Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of Doom versus the Nation of Domination. It's just a mess. You know, they're yeah. classic. You know, I can hear Dusty and WCW talking about all the plunder, all the plunder in this match, <laughs> Daddy. Um, I gave it half a star. Dude, I'm right with you. Check this out. Dave Meltzer, 3.5 stars. Ah, he's got to fucking promote that ECW <laughs> style. You know what I mean? Like, he can't give... A Dudley Boys match, three and a half uh, stars, and I guess not then give that, you know, a match like that in the WWF the same amount or something. I guess. That's crazy. 3.5, man. Uh, the Undertaker versus Psycho Sid. You know, it was just tough to be the main event after such a great match in the middle of the card. Uh, these guys go really slow for a while, but does pick up and have a fairly, you know, decent ending. I'll give yeah. it two stars. Two stars seems pretty fair. Uh, Dave Meltzer, 1.25 stars. I mean, I can see it. 
you know like and the run-ins and stuff like it doesn't yeah. the run-ins are fun but it right. doesn't feel worthy of a wrestlemania main event it feels like it's lesser when you have run-ins like that like that feels like a you know a, a b show pay-per-view main event i agree no I, you're not wrong like yeah two might even be a little bit too high on that but it is a main event. I thought, you know, the ending of the match was pretty good, pretty compelling. The users of Cage Match have the show ranked at 6.26 out of 10 with 110 votes cast. Uh, lots of people just kind of saying that the show is mostly garbage uh, with one good match on it. Kenta fan in 2020 said the Mania was mostly trash, but Austin Hart is one of the best WWE matches of all time. So it's not entirely worthless. Uh, a guy in 2018 said it's a one match show. Uh, just watch the Austin Hart match. Don't watch anything else. Nothing else is worth your time. Amico Leonard felt a little bit differently. He gave it 8 out of 10. Said, great edition of WrestleMania. Enters the top 10 probably for me, especially with importance of the show and the quality of matches and spectacle in general. He said, 1997 is one of the worst years from, of the business in the point of view of the WWE. Monday Night War is killing Vince McMahon. Nitro beating Raw. But it was also, in my opinion, one of the best years of matches as far as quality point of view. And WrestleMania was proof good undercard with a great roster match between triple h gold dust watching it nowadays makes me think the game was already the game he's already the cerebral assassin he said rocky maivia versus the sultan was good it's great to see Dwayne was a good athlete with good skills and poor charisma he reminded me of roman reigns in the beginning of his carrera carrera right. for some reason i think it's a mis misprint there uh Great, <laughs> this is not translated either. Great match between Mankind, Vader, Owen, and Bulldog. How is it possible have bad matches with four legends? Um, Austin versus Bret Hart, one of the most famous matches of all time. The match that made Austin great. The one match that made the Attitude Era. It's incredible how the faith played a big role in this match because of the Austin's blood was accidental, but it was the fact that made this match epic. The word faith is like randomly implanted in like this, this promo, this, this, uh, thing from now on. And I don't know what it's replacing, what word it's supposed to be. I think it's something else <laughs> though. Um, the final scene is legendary. Austin went out of Chicago like the new hero of WWF. He will take the company in the next years to the promised land. Chicago street fight was probably the only disappointment of the night. Undertaker versus Psycho Sid was probably not the best match ever for the Undertaker, but one of the most important. Taker first Mania main event and first title win at a showcase of the Immortals. Incredible, like nobody remembers Sid as great, but at the time he was a big dog, probably more invincible than the Dead Man. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, I appreciate the you know the, the effort given there. That's that's a, a hell of a review. Oh yeah. So there you go. Those are our thoughts as well as some other people's thoughts about WrestleMania 13. Definitely, if you've not seen Stone Cold Bret Hart. Go fucking watch it. it. You you owe it to yourself to do so. It's it's worthwhile. Yeah, no, the hype is real on that and one. Absolutely great match. Fucking nothing else for you to watch on Peacock. So go ahead and check that out. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. I mean, WrestleMania is one of the few <laughs> things I think I think they actually have everything up there. Oh, but that brings us now, Tony, to finding out where we're heading next week. So we've got more stuff to talk about, but actually next week is actual WrestleMania weekend, mm-hmm. and I am going to be traveling to hang out with you and Sean and watch WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're not going to have a show next week. But the week after, we're going to be reviewing something else. What is it? Well, we're going to review a Raw after Mania. I, what was it? March 31st? Yes. Uh, 2003. 
the Raw After Mania from March 31st, or if you want to find it on the Peacock Network Season 11, March 31st, 2003, WWE Raw, Episode 13 of Season 11. Yeah, so this is coming off the heels of WrestleMania 19. Uh, Rock, you know, finally beating Austin and, you know, being the end of that feud and ah. the career of Steve from that standpoint. And, uh, you know, Angle and Lesnar, had, I think, had taken place the night before. So, you know, it's a lot of happenings. We'll, we'll have to see what happened the night after WrestleMania. Most famous for the arrival of Goldberg. And so that yes. should be fun to see. There you go. Absolutely. All right, so that's where we're heading next week. But in the meantime, not next week, the week after. In the meantime, if you want to keep up with us, you can do so in two places, both Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, it's just look for the name of the podcast. On Twitter, it's at GrappleCast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week, not next week, for Raw, episode 13 of season 11, or March 31st of 2003. Okay, so Mania Week is upon us. A, uh, I don't know if this is the last announcement. Let's we'll see what happens on Raw and SmackDown. But William Shatner has been announced for the WWE Hall of Fame. And, you know, as their celebrity inductee mm-hmm. this year. I, I was actually kind of surprised. I thought he was already in, to be honest with you. So, so yeah, that, when when they first announced it, that was my same exact reaction. I was like, wait, he didn't go back in like back when it was in like a like a a little like conference room where that they would hold these things like a banquet hall. Well, they didn't really start doing the celebrity thing until like, Oh, I don't know. Pete Rose. Maybe I can't. Okay. When it started to become like, there had to be one, you know, like every year there was one. Gotcha. But still, I would have thought he was in because he'd worked with the company over the years. So, uh, there you go. William Shatner, hall of famer. Uh, good for him, I guess. (laughs) Good grief. Um, How are there yeah. so many people going into the Hall of Fame? Like, this is going to be... Well, it's because they also have to, they have to do last year's. But why? Why do you have to do last year? Like, just don't. Because they never had a ceremony. I know. Like, they should have They should have not announced anyone new and just did that ceremony if they wanted, <laughs> if they had to get that class in. Right. But well, now we're just, doing this yeah. stupid thing where it's going to take, like, five hours to get through that Hall of Fame show. Well, I think it's, like, two nights, isn't it? Oh Jesus! The Hall of Fame. No, there's no, there's no room to fit it on two nights. Oh, okay, maybe not. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm sure they'll probably keep the speeches short. Because I'm something. rolling through this, and I'm just like, I knew about Molly Holly. I knew about Eric right. Bischoff, Kane. I knew about the Great Khali because of our conversation last week. RVD, mm-hmm. obviously, the big announcement. It seems like for me. Um, yeah. But like, I didn't know Titus O'Neil was going in for the Warrior Award. I also didn't know that fucking the Bella Twins. Oh yeah, in? I forgot about that one. So is that from last year that they were part of the class? No, that was no, that was this year. That's I just think. they just announced it this year. Jesus. Yeah. And the new yeah, world last... order, haven't they gone in like five times at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we've had I... that conversation. Yeah, because it's like Sean Waltman's going to be a Hall of Famer again, but he still hasn't gone in by himself. So those are the last years then. JBL. Yeah. Fucking yep. Bulldog, Jushin Liger, yep. and New World yep. Order. Okay. Because they were showing the images of Juice and Liger, and I was like, "Wait a second! When did they announce Juice and Thunder Liger is going in?" And I was like, "Oh Jesus, this is from last year." Okay, so oh, I just feel like they haven't. And again, I've not been watching Raw and SmackDown, uh, you know, other than like watching highlights and, and segments of shows mainly. Mm-hmm. But what, like, I feel like they have not made very good announcements of, of at least 
explaining why we have so many and like what's going on here. Like it just seems like yeah. there's a lot. No, it is. Well, yeah, it's a combined class, so yeah, it's it it'll take forever. So now for sure. no one gets to have a fun a fun conversation, fun speech. Everyone gets five <laughs> minutes, and then Kane's gonna come and drag you off. Probably that that sounds about right, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, so good stuff there. Um, you know, WrestleMania week is also big business for the uh, world of independent wrestling, and um, you know they're descending upon Florida as we speak. And just something that, and I've seen this discussed quite a bit in the last week, and it was, I was probably going to dish on it, but then I just decided that we could be positive and talk about Mania, I guess. <laughs> I'll try to find matches that I want to talk about. Um, because, honestly, it has had me upset all week. has been the fact that uh, indie wrestling now basically complaining about ticket sales ahead of, you know, the shows this week. Oh, gosh. Um and in a lot of ways, almost pointing the finger at the fans themselves or talking about how you all talk about you want this and then you don't buy tickets or you pirate the stream and you don't, you know, and it's like, listen, I can understand where that would be frustrating. Nobody asked you to book 40 shows yeah, over the course of like four or five days, you know, and maybe some people were supportive of your match announcements or of your show. And not doesn't mean all those people are traveling to Tampa this week, yeah. you know, Yep. Thousands of people might like your post or might respond to your announcements positively. That doesn't necessarily mean they're buying tickets because that doesn't just you know negate buying the ticket to the show. That includes traveling to Tampa from wherever they mm-hmm. live, whether that's driving or by plane. Um, so I just and they most of them most kind of walked it back or they just dropped it all together. Um, but there was some real finger pointing basically coming from the performers themselves. Some I'm not doing this shit next year and you know. <laughs> Kind of being upset. Well, and it's like, and the other, the other problem too, especially like with independent wrestling this year is that it has all been supported by the fans throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They did all the sponsoring of matches, sponsoring of competitors. It yeah. shows, you know, a lot of companies found a lot of creative ways to make money over the last year with different ways to, you know, involve fans and things of that nature. Yeah. Maybe you tapped them dry. Well, you know, also you know, you're, it just seems like you're expecting too much too early. Like, yeah, if just because I'm comfortable going to WrestleMania where there's going to be this giant stadium, people are spread out like mm-hmm. every there's all these elements of, of a big company that are trying to put on this show and taking precautions. I, yeah. st- I might be comfortable flying down, staying separate from people mainly and then just going to my pod for the show and watching it. I might not be comfortable with going to the garage parking garage next door and watching some guys bleed on each mm-hmm. other you know, being shoved into a row with 15 other people. Exactly. I mean, yeah, because, yeah, people are getting vaccinated. Things are um, starting to loosen up, but not everybody's, you know, there's different levels of comfort of comfort with, you know, different people of what they're willing to put up with. And again, you're asking, you know, because I know, you know, you're asking people to spend a lot of money that they may or may not have. Yeah, they may have gotten stimulus checks and yeah, they may have gotten tax checks, but that stuff may have to go to things that are more important than, Mm -hmm. you know, an independent wrestling show. And the other thing that bothers me about indie wrestling, especially when they kind of have their hands out, you know, especially on social media, asking for money and, you know, this way or this way. Yeah. I don't mean to stereotype the entire group, but fans of independent wrestling probably aren't also millionaires. You know, these yeah. aren't people that are up the top 1% of, you know, income earners in this mm-hmm. country. You know, these are people that a lot of times you'll see them expressing on social media that they're, spending their paycheck 
to get tickets to a show or to, you know, be able to support you with merchandise, you know, Oh, I'm going to spend my last $30 to buy your new t-shirt. Like, (laughs) you know, it's got a little bit of a religious aspect to it sometimes when these, you know, these wrestling fans are giving everything they they can to support, you know, these, their favorite indie wrestler. And I just don't know how well that's appreciated. If that's necessarily always appreciated, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, and I'm sure that there's also that whole side of things where these guys are also always dealing with so much shit from people online that they they generally tend to come to the conversation with a negative attitude. It seems like, and so mm-hmm. when you've already got that, and then also if things are make you know getting tight or you're hard to make ends meet, I can understand the frustration element. But like you're saying, it's been a year of no shows. And now mm-hmm. you're finally putting this big show together and you're asking all these people to go to like tons of shows, cross contaminate each other like crazy and go back right. and forth. And I just really think that, that while, you know, there's a good number of people that are ready to just be completely done with this and pretend like it's nothing's happening. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are uncomfortable with that and not going to show up. I Absolutely. mean, like if I was going down there, I think I would pick out maybe one indie show and I'd have to make sure that it's in like a place that I'm like, I can feel comfortable going to. Sure. No, absolutely. And, and the other thing too about this weekend, especially, is I don't know how much you've paid attention to, like the collect, you know, the collective and some of these mm-hmm. different shows. And you know, it, it's a it, there are a lot of niche niche shows. You know, yeah. it's um, you know, um, for the culture, and it's you know Effie's Big Gay Brunch, and it's you know real hot girl shit, and like all these mm-hmm. different you know very niche specific offerings of all these all these meme based titles of shows <laughs> right but i'm just saying but like you know it's, yeah. so it's like so now so you're also not even and it's fine to do these shows like it's cool it's a, it's a nice opportunity to be able to do these things and yeah you know display all this different talent but again now you're not even just offering like an indie super show i mean you are but you're offering a very specific indie super show yeah that you know you can be mad at people's likes and dislikes, but not everybody maybe is necessarily interested in this specific show or that specific show. And now you've said that this is all our show is offering. And so you've limited your fan base even greater in some, you know, it's some <laughs> yeah. degree to, who, you know, to your potential audience for those specific shows. So, you know, I'm not saying that's right, wrong or whatever, but you can't be mad at people for what they like and what they don't like. And, and when you're offering one specific thing, you know, it might not necessarily appeal to the broad, wider, you know, audience. And because I have, I'm not going down there. I haven't looked at like what all these various cards are and mm-hmm. such. But the thing that I started to notice last year when it, the announcements were coming out and then the year mm-hmm. be- years before was just like also when it gets to the point that I'm seeing the same guy on five or six shows, maybe yeah. I don't need to go see that sixth show. Like I've already mm-hmm. seen him and all the people that are also wrestling on that card at other shows. I've seen and I've noticed you can kind of pick out maybe some of the the people that have figured that out. Mm-hmm. Cause I saw some people that have stretched themselves really thin in years past at too many shows, taking fewer shows. And I think that's the yeah. smart route because yeah, like you said, that's another thing too. So yeah. So, so now maybe you have this very specific, you know, like target audience or, you know, kind of like type of show that you're putting on. And it's got four people that I've seen on five other shows <laughs> over the course of the week. You know, so yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's a lot, you know, I mean, I hope everybody makes money and does really well, but um, I just, I didn't appreciate when it kind of felt like the finger was being pointed at the fan as if we asked for this and now you're not supporting it. And when this fails, it's all your fault. It's like, yeah. uh, okay. And I saw some experienced wrestlers and some longtime bookers online just being like, hmm, welcome to being a promoter. Also, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, well, that's part of it. Like there's risk how many of these, inherently. Yeah. How many of these you... people have put on 
they've put on the greatest cards of all time and maybe half the house gets filled, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the chance you take with any time you're booking a wrestling show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so Mania is going to get started early uh, with DeAndre the Giant Battle Royal and uh, the SmackDown Fatal 4-Way Tag Team title match being moved to the Friday show. Um, they even released the lineup for the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, which I was like, man, just take all the piss out of it, guys. Like, it's <laughs> everybody you can yeah. kind of care less about seeing and no surprises. You know what I mean? Like, instead yeah. of maybe having a handful of NXT folks in it or maybe a couple of fun veteran return. No, nope. Here's the here's the goobers that chase the truth around for the 24-7 title. Oh, I'm sure our truth will somehow be involved with like that'll probably end up being a part of the the whole thing. Yeah, it it, it probably will. Um, kind of discussed the Raw and SmackDown uh, lead ups here to the uh, final countdown to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Over on the AEW side of things, we had the entering debut of Christian Cage taking on Kazarian, Frankie Kazarian of SCU, in uh, what was an absolutely awesome match. I thought yeah. Christian looked great. Dude, that, that match kind of blew me away. I didn't expect a whole lot cup from it. It was just one of those mm-hmm. things where I turned on AEW and I thought, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Christian's doing his first match in the opening match. I was like, it'll probably, you know, be a quick one. He'll probably get the win. But no, they went out there and, and had like a really good back and forth, just classic match. And I yeah. thought it was really good. Like, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I really liked that. Yeah, no, great showing for sure from both guys, um, especially Christian who, you know, I think is someone that they could absolutely put into the world title picture, and um, I think he proved that he could go the distance with probably just about anybody. So good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, Darby Allen looks like he's continuing to kind of move in this direction of fighting Matt Hardy, which whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I enjoyed promo. the video, but <laughs> yeah, talked about how his body was breaking down and the big money mats masking his insecurities. You know, like you said, just kind of your typical those you know the weird different kind of Darby. Uh, interview segments sting just like hangs out with him now and doesn't even have to say anything so mm-hmm. well it was just that was the one like it, we you know we've talked about how sometimes these darby videos you don't really know what to take from them you know right. and it can kind of when you when you start really piling them up over and over again week after week mm-hmm. they lose a little bit of something but this first one just you know kind of being here's the target that he's going after here's the direction that we're heading i enjoyed that and stuff but it, again like even though I, at the time during the video, I was like, okay, I like that he's taking shots at Matt Hardy and stuff. Again, I found mm-hmm. myself by the end of it being like, but why are we moving to a f- fucking thre- Matt Hardy feud? Like, stop doing that. Uh, it's, it's not going to, though. They're just going to, like, you're going to have to be drug kicking and screaming to watch Cody beat the world, and I'm going to have to be drug kicking or screaming mm-hmm. to watch Matt Hardy lose another match on a paper. Well, game. I mean, thing is, I was like, that's why Matt's here. You know what I mean? Like, if he was good, yeah. if he wanted to be a backstage producer and agent, he would have just stayed in the WWE because that's what they were offering. Him, that's you know? true. So right. I was like, he's going to wrestle, and you know, <laughs> I guess it's probably part of the reason why he came here in the first place. So uh, we then had our exhibition match with QT Marshall and Cody Rhodes. Uh, it's like, yeah, let's watch two guys kind of fight on TV. This is fun. I I feel bad. This is the one, like, I have no idea what happened by the end of this. This this put me out. I fell asleep right during the middle of this exhibition, and <laughs> I did not get a chance to recover and right. see the rest of that specific angle. I right. heard so that there was what, all kinds of things happening, but I missed right. it. Yeah, they don't sell tickets to watch MMA guys spar. 
All right, and this is why, because nobody, who the fuck wants to watch it? Well, um, you would say that, and then fucking Mike Tyson goes and changes the world with his stupid exhibition, and now well, everyone's thinking that exhibitions are something that people want to watch. Those are at least kind of competitive, though. <laughs> um, yeah, Cody, you know, the crowd chants, Cody's friend, still playing on that. Um, QT kind of grows frustrated throughout the match, took a cheap shot on Arn Anderson, got a bunch of heat, and then left the ring. Um, the Nightmare family was all in the ring checking on a, on Arn Anderson. QT was kind of playing the whole like, uh, what have I done? You know, like I mm-hmm. like I lost, I went I blacked out type of thing. <laughs> uh, but then Aaron Solo, uh, that caveman looking guy, I can't remember his name, and the uh, a boxer who I've never heard of them talk about. He just they started <laughs> about he was like a U.S. champion boxer or something. Okay. Started punching Cody in the ribs, and um, so yeah, there's a fracture in the Nightmare Family. It's like I didn't even know there were this many people in the Nightmare Family. Well, that's from what I'm hearing. This so are these guys that just Cody trained, and that's the idea is that yeah, yeah, people. Well, they're guys that you've seen on like I just can't remember that big hairy guy's name, but he fought like Moxley, I think, in his first match. Okay, and and had a pretty good showing like a few months or two ago. Um, the boxer, I have no idea. I was like, I was like, I, they're saying his name, Excalibur. He does a good job. He just says people's names over and over again, even mm-hmm. if you don't know who they are. Um, so yeah, I don't know. So here Red we go. Beard, QT Red has beard. a group. And- yeah. No, it, 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 I mean, it's another faction. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that they're not thinking like, this is the feud that we want to see go to blood and guts and not the fucking pinochle and, and inner circle. But <laughs> well, I did say someone mentioned that the, maybe they, they'll do a final, uh, stadium stampede match oh, before they okay. leave before they leave Daly's place with all those guys or something. So. I mean, you could do something like that, I guess. But but I also don't care about any of these QT, QT and Cody <laughs> leading their AEW Dark Armies. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> you haven't featured any of these people on the main show, so I don't know. Whatever, you know. No, I'm sure Cody thinks it's the hottest feud in the company. When there's so many other factions and groups that have like so many more interesting characters, it's like I don't necessarily well, need a group of train. Like I don't need Cody's NXT right now. Well, and literally the next segment, I'm like, here's two people I'd much rather see leading factions against Cody: Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, <laughs> who have teamed up. And I was just like, again, Ethan Page feels like the A plus version of a QT Marshall. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you've just brought this guy to your company, and now you're going to push QT Marshall. Who even Cody? I've told these. I've been, you know, giving these jabs at QT for over a year. Cody on Twitter was even talking about how he couldn't get outside of Ring of Honor dark matches eight years ago, and you yeah. know all this kind of stuff. So whatever. I guess we have to care. Um, <laughs> yeah, Moxley beat Cesar Bononi. Yeah, whatever. Um, you know, Team Taz all says they're good still. Uh, Cage and Ricky Starks won a match on Dark, I think, and. Cage mentioned that if he tagged him in sooner, that they would have won sooner. So I don't know if it was last week or this week. Did you see? I just saw a still image of here is how Ricky Starks posed the entire time that Taz was speaking, and they're oh, talking was, yeah. about how great it was because he had like this ridiculous like under his chin like hand yeah. thing that he was doing. I'm pretty sure he's wearing like a turtleneck and had like a big fake <laughs> smile on his face the whole time, like he was taking a photo at you know Sears or something. Um, so yeah. Whatever, good stuff there for Team Taz. But you know, the implosion is shortly coming, I'm sure. Um, like MJF in the uh, former Inner Circle locker room has a gift for the Pinnacle. I still just sit here 
and watch this child talk to these men <laughs> as if like they I, I don't I just don't buy yeah. it, man. Like yeah. it just doesn't work for me. Like they're all these like rough and rugged old school tough guys. Mm-hmm. And then you got MJF with his fucking scarf and his like pompous, arrogant <laughs> attitude. I just I don't get it. Like I would yeah. ra- I'd rather watch these guys just listen to Tully and like get rid of, you know, I don't know. I just I don't like it. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I haven't I, I didn't get to see this one specifically, so I don't know how much it would have gotten on my nerves or not, but yeah. I, I, I do understand to- the the angle of it because like you were saying, like those two tag guys like or the, you know they're the toughest baddest sons of bitches yeah. sort of the characters at least so far that we've been, they've been explained to us other than not right. being able to start trucks right well and Sean Spears is supposed to be this kind of like hard edged character mm. now too so I don't know whatever he has a gift for them and uh, introduce and this kind of stuff too introduce them to their personal stylist it's like yeah okay um don't know why they would care um, and then talks about how they need to clean the smell out of this locker room you know because it's forming inner circle room and. He opened the bathroom door, and Chris Jericho and the guys are just hanging out in the bathroom of this locker room <laughs> for some reason. We've and been then he shut in the here door. For three hours waiting for you guys to come in here. Yeah, seriously, it smells like shit. Um, also, a weird way to return Chris Jericho from injury. Like that he's is just really standing strange. in the shitter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he closed the door, kind of like the classic. You know, oh, I didn't just see that. You know, like let's let's get out of here. <laughs> um, and then there's a big brawl between everybody, and you know, inner circle took their locker room back. So oh, there okay. you go. <laughs> I was like, I said, a weird return for Jericho. I was kind of expecting something a little more grandiose after the big, you know, everybody beat the shit out of him like mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Uh, we get Young Bucks and Marvez. He got, Cal- yes. he got so beat up, he ended up in the fucking WWE studios for a podcast. So <laughs> that's right. He got lost somewhere along the way. Now that now you know where he what he did do in his two weeks off. <laughs> um, Bucks are talking to Alex Marvez. Don Callis interrupts and wants to speak to Matt. Um, he just basically insulted him. He says he loves Omega and thought Matt loved him too. He says Matt broke his heart last week. You know, Kenny chose them. He didn't choose AEW. Um, and they chose to leave him bleeding in the ring. Callis asks if he has no care for the people who love him and wants to know what the hell's wrong with him. Uh, Callis then slapped Matt across the face and Matt didn't fight back. And Don just said, yep, that's what I thought and continued to insult him and <laughs> called him pathetic before walking away. So. Nice. It was good good stuff. Um, Omega and the Good Brothers then beat Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid. Moxley came out post-match, and the Bucks backed Moxley up. So, Ooh. running off Omega and company. All so right. There you, there you go. Uh, the ladies segment of the week, we have the Bunny and Nyla Rose defeating Ty Conte Ooh. and AEW champion Hikaru Shida. Who had been by the side of Omega for, like, months up until this? Was it just Darby and those guys? With Moxley? Well, yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, it would kind of just be whoever else was feuding with, you know, different okay. people. But, I mean, he'd kind of been on his own leading up to the explosion match, you know. And then, That's true, yeah. And then he had Kingston. You know, he'd done some stuff with, like, Phoenix and Pac and, you know, things Oh, yeah, that that's nature. right. Those guys came in recently. That's yeah. what it was. Okay. Pac's disappeared again, though. I'm not sure what happened there. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, Bunny and Nyla Rose, who are also, it's all apparently a part of this Matt Hardy family thing too like vicky nyla they're all a oh, part they've of joined now. okay i guess I, I, like, I guess you know they came out and like after the match and and stuff but i didn't realize that she had like joined or those two had like joined yeah um so yeah and then the main event 
in what I would expect, and it's not because I think Trent's fighting Miro now. But anyways, the what I would have thought was kind of the conclusion of all of this, but the arcade anarchy match took place with best friends Chuck and Orange Cassidy taking on Kip Sabian and Miro, the best man. Mm-hmm. Um, this was wild and wacky stuff. It was a lot of fun. Um, they had, you know, air hockey tables. It was not just arcade machines. I was, they had, uh, when, yeah. when I finally looked up the, cause I watched a like 10 minute highlight video of this. So I saw a lot of okay. it. I didn't see all of it, but right. just, I was just impressed with how much they had set up, man. Like the, the wall of prizes and stuff I thought was pretty <laughs> impressive. Like that was, yeah. that was imaginative. Um, yeah, they had, I enjoyed yeah, they had that. weapons. So yeah, no, it was, a uh, Yeah. Kind of a wild thing. They had a claw machine that uh, eventually Chris Statlander would emerge from and when Penelope Ford was getting involved in the match. So it's good to see the alien back. Mm-hmm. Um, she took Penelope out is of, that, you know, kind of took her out of the way. Is that a Toy Story reference at that point, that the alien comes out of the claw machine? Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure. I, I was wondering <laughs> if that was specific or not. I think, yeah, I think so. Um, and then the uh, van of one Sue would pull up and Trent would emerge with his glorious hairy chest and all uh, <laughs> to help. I don't know about even the odds, but you know, help take out Miro. Yeah. And uh, eventually they got the pin on Kip Sabian. So um, yeah, now, a fun match. I'm curious because I told Tony or I told Sean this earlier as well, because I was watching this highlight video. So it's a lot like mm-hmm. all the big spots basically. And then they would like, you know, dissolve to the next point where we'd have some more big spots. Oh, so right. Like the Legos. Yeah. I saw the, you know, the different uh, yeah. stuff. I saw the, the whack-a-mole, all mm-hmm. that. But like, it was literally though, I don't, I don't think I saw Miro hit a move. He was just being beaten up the entire <laughs> time by Orange Cassidy and, and Chuck. I mean, I th- I don't think he had as many of the fun spots. That must have been it. That it was just all but the unfun no, yeah, spots he, that they he cut de- out. He de- yeah, he definitely had moments though of like dominance. You okay. know, usually before something wacky would happen. Um, <laughs> I do think it was funny, and I, and our friend Sean was I was he was very defensive, so I, I just let it go. But I I do still somewhat question like the video game aspect of this entire yes. like because it's like i know when he was announcing like the bachelor party thing they were at an arcade for no real explained reason and billy mitchell was there for a never explained reason (laughs) um and so then there was that and then i i just i feel like i just don't necessarily remember what i i guess they're they both do twitch stuff so yeah i think it's just because miro was like into twitch in the downtime between companies that they right. just like in, involved this as part of his character, but okay. watching this match, like now that you point that out, watching this match, it felt like this was supposed to be Chuck and and Orange's right. like home yeah. domain. Like this felt like they had designed this and put this because it was just them using all like the cool weapons, yeah, <laughs> against Miro. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like I said, Miro did a lot of cool stuff that usually didn't use the weapons. So yeah, but yeah, this was a uh, fun. I think we're probably gonna get Miro and Trent now. Um, I can't imagine that Kip Sabian and is probably going to survive this friendship now. I, I would imagine that Miro's going to be pretty upset with him. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally, shall. I'm totally down for that split to happen as, as soon as possible. Right. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, NXT, this is their go home as basically their uh, takeover night will start this Wednesday. So this was the go home they had um, now. Takeover night. It's on mm-hmm. USA, but it's also on Peacock on night one as well. Is that what I'm hearing? 
Maybe. I know, I know that night one, they're just having it on USA like their normal thing. Yeah. And then, and then night two is on Peacock exclusively. I had heard someone talking. I think it was the post wrestling guys, but they were talking about, um, apparently there was a promo saying that like you can watch it on Peacock. That way there's no commercials. I was like, Oh, well, okay. Like why would anyone watch it on USA at that point? But (laughs) yeah, I, I don't know. It'll also be their last. Yeah, the last Wednesday uh, yeah. show, isn't it? Because the next yeah, week yeah. they go to Tuesday. Yeah, next Wednesday will be their last one before they go to Tuesday. So, yeah, uh, NXT, Cameron Grimes, I just love him to death. Um, opens the show just bothering the shit out of Roderick Strong because Cameron Grimes is trying to, like, buy the Undisputed Era name and wants to, <laughs> you know, continue it, keep it going. Um, and Roddy just eventually couldn't take any more and just attacked him and left him late, you know, laid him out. Uh, they then had a singles match, which Cameron Grimes got the victory. Oh damn! Uh, yeah, it was a solid. He got he like distracted Roddy by having an undisputed era armband on or something. It was a little <laughs> bit silly, but it was enough okay. of a distraction. Um, and then Roddy was like later on anyway. That wasn't right away, but he was supposed to be in the battle royal for the North American title thing, and he just left left the building and hmm. as he's leaving, you know, he's he's done is what Roderick Strong said. So interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um. Had a really good video package with Karrion Cross and Scarlett. And something that I think that's been interesting that they've really been making a focus on in the last few weeks of Karrion Cross is like they've kind of almost stopped presenting him as this like supernatural being mm-hmm. as much as they've just as much as they've just focused on his like freakish athleticism and strength and like intensity and like because the training video wasn't them like over a cauldron, you know, like <laughs> brewing yeah. a you know a spell for Karrion, for Finn Balor. It was him, you know, working out and just lifting okay. weights and, you know, kind of a very normal thing. I thought it was good. Talked about the strategy, you know, talked about why Finn, how Finn, why Finn can't beat him. Um, so, yeah, no, I liked it quite a bit. You know, it's a nice balance, I think, for the character. No, that's, that seems like a good thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santos Escobar with another great promo on this. A lot of just, man, they've just done such a great job building towards their takeover stuff. Um, he cut a great promo about being the face of Lucha Libre and calling himself the best cruiserweight in the history of NXT, um, and then issued an open challenge that was answered by Tyler Breeze, who came out and cut a promo, talked about how he had to work his ass off to be here, and accepts the open challenge. Uh, they then had a really good match that Santos got the victory over Tyler Breeze in. Uh, post-match, Legado del Fantasma, uh, Walking Wild and Raul Gonzalez, they would attack. MSK would make the save, and then the Grizzled Young Vets would appear on the big screen and basically just call everyone stupid and talk about how they're going to win the triple threat for the tag team titles at TakeOver. So Nice. Nice way to kind of do two, you know, to d- build and develop two of your matches at TakeOver and kind of, uh, you know, I didn't one realize, and a half segments or so. I didn't realize Tyler Breeze was was a, uh, a, a cruiserweight at this point. I mean, look at him. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, I mean, people think Adam Cole looks small. I mean, yeah, he's. I, I think he fits in great. I think it would be a great idea for him to do that more often, to be honest with you. So yeah, no, it makes sense. And he looked really good in there with Santos Escobar. Um, the way as it is every week, or having issues again. Um, Johnny Gargano is pumping Austin Theory up and saying, you know, hoping that he could win the Battle Royal and the Gauntlet match, and then would lay down for Johnny at Takeover. And Theory seems to be on board with that, and his just kind of like dumb, gullible character that he's playing now. Mm-hmm. Um, Indy Hartwell says that, kind of under her breath, that she thinks Dexter is going to win, and Johnny almost explodes and Candace just calms the situation and <laughs> begins talking about their, you know, tag team match tonight and how they want to fight Ember Moon and Shotzi, which I think they are fighting them at takeover. So, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, Andy Hartwell and Candace defeated Gigi Dolan, and I'm sorry, ma'am, I didn't catch your name. Like, I'm being honest. I just, <laughs> Gigi Dolan's the former Priscilla Kelly, who's, you know, recently. Okay, been, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a solid matchup. Um, the EO, Shirai, and Raquel Gonzalez stuff was awesome. Just, again, they just did such a great job in this go-home show, developing their matches. Um, they would brawl backstage, and that was the first of, like, three times throughout the night. It kind of became a bit comedic <laughs> by the last time. Um, that's, you know, we see Roddy leaving the building. He's not even staying for the Battle Royal. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez had a great match with Zoe Stark and got the victory. EO attacked her after that match. So that's the second time they've brawled this week. Uh, great moment backstage with Pete Dunn talking about how he wants a, you know, a great technical challenge. And Kushida would walk up to Pete Dunn and they'd go face to face and have a stare down. Nice. Um, ahead of their, they're both in the Battle Royal though. So we'll have to see what happens. And then oh, I'm okay. telling you right now, it's probably by itself online somewhere. Go out of your way and watch the video package promoting Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole's match. It is, it won't get the love because nothing gets the love nowadays. It is <laughs> WrestleMania X7 level shit, man. Really? Okay. It is so goddamn good. They do this awesome, like, uh, they kind of have them sitting down in almost like a police interrogation room for their interviews for it. And like, mm-hmm. it's just the tone, the lighting, the music. The long-term storytelling, you know, they're, they go into their whole history. Um, apparently Meltzer said Jeremy Borash produced the segment. Oh, okay. Nice. It is one of the best, uh, video hype packages I've ever seen. They'll probably show it on takeover. I hope in its entirety, maybe ahead of the match. Cause it's great. And it's long. I mean, long. I say long. I mean, it's probably three minutes or so, but just awesome stuff. Nice. Really good. Awesome. I'm going to um, have to go out of my way to find that. Yeah. No, definitely worth the time. We continue with the weird Zia Lee stuff. Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter fought Zia Lee, Zia Lee, sorry. And it was supposed to be Tian Shaw. Yeah. I think it's the other girl's name. I literally can't even keep track of what these people's names are anymore. Um, it was supposed to be a tag match. The lady never stood up from her chair, though. Uh-huh. Um, and then, and then blew smoke down the throat of Caden Carter and she like passed out. Like, Why did Caden Carter get close to her if she is not going to leave the I, chair? Like I don't, I don't remember what happened exactly okay. in, in its entirety. But yeah, she that happened, and then Zia Lee got the victory, pinning Kat and Zaro in the in ring. So uh, I love all this though. Like I just I think it's a cool presentation. And now as this other girl, you know, lady is like going to be getting involved. I think that that could be a mm-hmm. a cool package there. And Zia Lee is absolutely awesome. So hope all the best for her. Um, EO for the third time of the night attacked Raquel this time during an interview backstage and they fought and had to be separated for the third time. Nice. Throughout the night, we kept getting, I forgot to write down like the first two, but there's like a small toy dog, like a real dog, but like when I say toy dog, like that's the kind of dog it was. Mm -hmm. And like the first video was like the dog arriving outside the performance center and like looking at the performance center. Yeah. (laughs) And then there was a video of like the dog walking into the performance center and like around backstage. And then mm-hmm. I think like the final one was it like walked through the curtain or something. And then finally I was like, Oh, I'm dumb. I should have been. It was a, uh, this is a pair. This was the hype for Taya Valkyrie who will be making her debut <laughs> on NXT April 13th. And I'm guessing she's bringing her dog with her. So gotcha. Yeah. I just she's been like, carrying the dog around. Hasn't she like for a little while? Yeah, I think it was, I don't know if it was an all the time thing, but yeah, I'd imagine it will be now. So, and I don't know if her name's going to be Taya Valkyrie, but, they, you know, that's, I'm imagining who that will be. Um, we then had the main event, Battle Royal. The final six men will enter the gauntlet match this Wednesday. And then the winner of that will face Johnny Gargano the, on the second night of TakeOver in a North American title match. Um, 
I'm not going to name everybody that's in the thing. It's, you know, it was actually like 12 people, actually. It was okay. Everybody was like out there. I was like, oh, well, shit. Only half these people are going to have to be eliminated <laughs> before this match is over. Um, Leon Ruff and Swerve were fighting before the match even started, kind of continuing their feud a little bit there. Um, eventually, everyone got in the ring, and we got things going. Uh, Malcolm Bivens, who was at ringside for his man Tyler Rust, caused Jake Atlas to be eliminated. Dexter Loomis stood in the corner and did nothing for the whole match, pretty much. Just and no one attacked him for some reason. Um, you know, m- many eliminations. Pete Dunne and Kushida would actually eliminate one another, and uh, that would determine the final six. So those two ah. took each other out just before the final six. They're having a one-on-one match at Takeover. Pete Dunne and Kushida. That'll be fun. And your six men that will be in the gauntlet match are Dexter Loomis, Bronson Reed, L.A. Knight, Cameron Grimes, Swerve Scott, and Leon Ruff. And now it's all about the entry for the gauntlet match. So Swerve and Ruff were the next two men out. They will start the gauntlet match next week. Um, L.A. Knight eliminated Bronson Reed. Grimes offered money to Dexter Loomis and L.A. Knight, which they declined. Um, (laughs) Grimes was tossed out. And L.A. Knight would actually eliminate Dexter Loomis and get the victory here. So he will be the last man to enter the gauntlet match this Wednesday on NXT. Ah. No, I, the L.A. Knight stuff. I would still expect Dexter Loomis to win, though. I've not seen a ton of the LA Knight stuff so far, but have they done, in your opinion, how have they like done as far as presenting him? Like, does he feel like, uh, like upper tier? Is he sort of sort of a mid tier guy that's getting the start down low and coming up or what? I, no, I think if they play their cards right, and I think so far they have done a good job with him. No, I think he's, a, I think he's like major player status, like, okay. you know, world, you know, NXT champion kind of a thing here. Um, you know, a lot of like Bobby Roode, I kind of feel like with his character. Mm-hmm. You know, like he kind of feels like the TNA guy a little bit, but if you don't have a lot of history watching him in that, then you wouldn't maybe notice it so much. No, I mean, listen, he's always had kind of the it factor. I mean, you know, he carries yeah. himself well. He's got a, you know, great mic ability, good charisma, all that kind of stuff. So, absolutely. Um, you know, they play their cards right. This could really amount to something. But I would still probably imagine Dexter Loomis will win the gauntlet match and fight Johnny Gargano because that's, you know, been the feud for the last like three months. So, so what's main eventing the first night of the takeover? Do you know? Um, uh, no. Because <laughs> I'm just curious. Because it does kind of having you know the gauntlet match that's leading to the actual match the next night. It kind of is feeling a little bit more of like a this is a pre-show to the main show the next night. Deliver is the real show. Stand is just to <laughs> get you here. Yeah. No. The night one main event. Oh, they're doing the women's match. The women's championship match. Is main oh, event okay. Well, that'll one. be a good one then. Yeah, because so yeah, because night one will be Pete Dunne and Kushida, uh, the triple threat for the tag team titles with MSK, the Grizzled Young Vets, and Legato del Fantasma, uh, the Gauntlet match, Walter mm. and Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT UK title. Oh damn! And then, yeah, and then the main event: Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez. So okay, well that'll be a good show then. Yeah, and then night two is Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart defending their tag titles against uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. The latter match for the undisputed cruiserweight title, Jordan Devlin versus Santos Escobar. Uh, Johnny Gargano versus the gauntlet winner. Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in the unsanctioned match. And the main event is Finn Balor defending the NXT championship against Karrion Cross. Hmm. So, All right. Yeah, I already on paper alone think that the two nights of TakeOver... I have more excitement about than probably just about anything that's taking place at WrestleMania. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right there. Uh, But yeah, no, that'll all be fun and it'll be a spectacle. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, obviously, you know, so 
big week, you know, watch what you want. You don't have to watch everything, but certainly a lot out there to sink your teeth into if you do choose to do so. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's always exciting. I'm curious how much of the, that, that I'm, I'm guessing it has to be a lot of it, is going to be streamed online, the, like the, the indie stuff that's around the... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of packages. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, IWTV, Independent Wrestling TV. I mean, they have packages for okay. all the shows. Because that's what I think people were complaining about was how expensive it was. It's like, well, people... You're buying 40 shows. Watch, right. I mean, what do you want them to charge you for it? Um, but, you know, there's 10 show packages. There's, you know, some variety as far as that goes. Um, and then, obviously, it's not all IWTV companies. I'm sure Fight will probably, you know, be yeah. the streaming service for some, you know, for some of it. I'm not sure, but... Um, did you GCW, see the, GCW and the collective stuff, I think, is all on IWTV. Did you see AEW's putting on a house show at the same time? Yeah. I'm just like, again, what? <laughs> uh, do we need to? I don't like, know. It's so strange. It's like, you guys don't normally even do house shows, so it's weird that you're just like, is, everybody, is it just because of the promise of staying away from Mania Week that they're like, well, we can't show anybody this because... I, I guess. And I mean, I know everybody just wants a taste of that, like, fans in the crowd again thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're which, doing it in Jacksonville. That's like three hours away. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, I, I, <laughs> like I was thinking, you know, if I went down for Mania, I might drive over for that just because of like the the people yeah. that could be on on that AEW house show. But oh yeah, but it's yeah, it just seems like that's you know that's a, that's a commitment. You got to drive over there. That's a whole day you're spending. Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah, people don't. I don't think they realize I've just you know not it's not real far, but it's enough to you know take up a lot of your time. So oh yeah. Um, and then I didn't know I. <sighs> I just I just wanted to ask your opinion on the uh, not just the new IWGP Championship belt oh, yeah. DP, mm-hmm. but the new IWGP champion. Yeah, I saw that this it has changed hands. The the yeah, I mean the, the United Kingdom has uh, staked its claim in New Japan Pro well, Wrestling. Will Osprey? They had to, to give the Empire champion. a win some point. Like I'm sorry, Empire, right? Yeah, the Empire, Empire, like they 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 introduced it and they just lost over and over and over again. I was like, all right, yeah. well, what are these guys doing? But here we go. Uh, yeah, no, I do at least appreciate it from that standpoint. Like you can't just be like, hey, these are a big. These guys are a big deal. <laughs> okay, do they do they ever win? Well, no, no, they don't win, but they're a big deal. Just take them. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean this is, and I and listen, people for their various reasons, heads have maybe exploded a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. They're trying to develop the next generation to some degree. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. had talked, had those talks over the last few years with Wrestle Kingdom where it's like you had to find something for Tanahashi to do every year and you had to kind of, yeah. you know, and we were still talking about people like Naito breaking out. And it's like he's, you know, about not an old man, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it, so it's like you got to, you know, I think you know, Kota Ibushi was a good like, here's the guy. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to start Jay White and Evil and Will Ospreay. You know what I mean? Like you've yeah. established now kind of like, you know, your next generation top guys. And you still have Okada, who's actually fighting mm-hmm. at the May something. He's going to fight the champion. So yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with that. No, that's- um, I like it. Toa Hanare, I don't know if you saw, he's also now got a mm-hmm. new name and he's been repackaged a little bit and beat the shit out of Sonata, apparently. So. He's X. What's that? He's X. Oh, is that what X. X? Okay. Yep. Yeah, he had like strong video game character. Do you remember the... The synths from Fallout 4, the like, were the leather jackets mm-hmm. and they were like the hunter guy. I don't know. That's just kind of what I, the vibes I got. I could see that. that. I could see that. <laughs> X, whatever it's called, X30 or whatever that was. It. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I like it. I'm, you know, I love Jeff Cobb. It's, you know, Toa Hanare is a guy that we had both been just about mm-hmm. rolling our eyes at at this point with like, 
do something. Like, yeah. You can't just keep being like the young guy that loses, you know, so good for him. Um, you know, great O'Con. I know it's some people are hot and cold on it, but again, it's just, a, I'm just glad to see that they are taking one of their dojo guys and mm-hmm. they're making something out of him. And I am you know. curious is B coming back though. There's a lot of talk that they would like, yeah, B actually came up quite a bit because she just had her last stardom match. Yeah. Cause she announced that she was done with stardom afterwards. So that's why I was curious. So it's kind of at this point, what I would say though, for B, I don't see her going back to this. Cause also you had will beat her up, which I know people didn't love yeah. that, but yep. there's, and New Japan doesn't really, they don't have, I mean, you know, they don't have, they don't have women's wrestling. And that's why I was, th- when she, when she announced she's leaving stardom, that makes me think instantly AEW or WWE. I would imagine, like, I would imagine back to AEW, I was reading somebody, I think Sean Ross Sapp with Fightful talking about like, she has a lot of supporters like Kenny Omega amongst a okay. few others that are like big fans of her work. And hey, listen, I mean, don't, I mean, if NXT comes calling, I wouldn't mm-hmm. knock her for taking that, you know, chance either. So yeah, I don't know. I don't imagine she's probably going to go back to Will. And do it, you know, be a part of that angle or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, dynamite probably seems like the most likely place, especially now that the travel restrictions are going to start easing, you yeah. know, and her, people like her and Sadie Gibbs and other, you know, maybe they can kind of come back into the fold. True. Hadn't thought about that. All right. Anything else? All right. I think that's enough. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Shut up, you fat boy and a little old... Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.